Bonehead punches Zipper, but then Slim knocks him out and actually kidnaps Sugar. So now Sugar is genuinely in danger. Up till now, she's just kind of been hanging out with Zipper. No, she is fully kidnapped at this the point. The booby is and on they, the way they run to away. the booby house. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure people have heard that language. Like, oh, and then the boobies go to the mm-hmm. booby house. Classic, like, yeah. screenwriting language. It's, it's basically like save yeah. the cat. At this point. Exactly. Exactly. This is this is the Chekhov's gun of this movie. You know, <laughs> when was the booby house gonna appear? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by my dear friend, actor, and man who hit me in the face with a snowball in high school, Brendan Connors. Brendan, welcome to the show. I take umbrage with this. What is this public shaming of me? <laughs> this is revenge for when you hit me in the face with a snowball oh, in high school. Oh, how dare you? Is there even a podcast? Has it all been a sting operation? <laughs> It's been I've been really making the long con the last like 12 episodes that you can ignore those. <laughs> it ends here. It ends this, today. It doesn't actually end here. There's another episode after this. This one. is this is like a, this is like your serial where like mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. go back, you go back and listen to them. And like you keep you pick up like pieces and like bits of like, oh, sometimes Sophia keeps talking about this like injury she had or like this guy in her life. <laughs> And then you get to 12 and it all like really comes, like it's such a good listen. You just have to listen to the whole series. Like it really comes together. Amazing. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, I'm like one of those journalists who does like a really long uh, investigative report with a criminal where they send emails back and forth the whole time, except it's been this podcast and I have no idea if you listen to it or not. (laughs) Well, you know, we actually... The real purpose of this podcast, as I'm sure many of our uh, long time since February listeners will know, is that... We watch a different movie of the guest choosing every week, and then we talk about it. And that's why, Brendan, I think I have only one question yeah. for you. God, I can't even say it without laughing. Why did we watch Beach Blanket Bingo from 1965? <laughs> I, this is, like, I, I usually, like, I'm not, like, a big stickler for taste mm-hmm. or highbrow or lowbrow things, but this is the closest movie to like a dirty pleasure movie or a guilty pleasure movie. I guess I would say dirty <laughs> with where this film goes with the, uh, oh God. But, uh, I, I remember, oh, I, I made a note of it. There's one song in this movie that I do think is very charming and sweet and we'll get to it mm-hmm. when we get to it. Um, but I, I think I turned on, I think it was like the Turner classic movies channel. I turned the movie on, during that scene, during that musical number, and I was like, "Oh, this is charming." And then, <laughs> <laughs> then, then watched I watched the rest, rest of the movie. movie huh? And then in college, I showed my roommate. I think I saw it was on demand or like it was on TV. I was like, "Oh, we got we got to watch this movie." It's like it's like fine, and I'd never seen the beginning half of the movie. I'm so glad that you've inflicted this upon people who aren't me before because that that really brings the whole story full circle. Every time I watch this movie, I notice 10 things about it that I forgot. <laughs> that I forgot. <laughs> oh, well, you know, let's see how many of those we can get through in the next hour and a half or so because this <laughs> There's not really a plot to this movie, so I will do my best to weave a rich tapestry of side plots together. I would argue there are six plots. <laughs> but are any of them the main plot, or are they all just side plots that happen to be happening in the That's same a, this, movie? Yeah, the, the most you can say about the plot of this movie <laughs> is teenagers go to the beach. 
were they teenagers? I could never quite figure out how old they were supposed to be because the one dude kept calling them kids, but then the other dude kept calling them surfers, and I'm not sure whether we're on the age spectrum surfers. I think fall. in the be- this is the fifth movie in a series of movies that I have not watched. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only one I've seen. Oh, no. And I from the cursory research I've done about the, I think this is like eight or ten years into this into the series i think it started in like the late 50s oh, so i think like they were definitely teens then but they all <laughs> stuck around long enough that it does become a question mm-hmm. we'll let our listeners draw that conclusion for themselves since i guess i don't i don't have an answer and honestly i thought after an hour and a half maybe i would but i finished the movie and i still didn't have many answers also i because I, I think this is a good place to put this Pete, mm-hmm. if if you've never <laughs> We haven't gotten into the plot yet, but just by the name alone, this is like a, mm-hmm. a beach party, like 1960s, right. teeny bopper, romantic comedy, mm-hmm. kind of sex comedy. <laughs> like, it's like, it's a little bit the American pie of its time. I don't think that's an unfair conclusion. <laughs> I, I would hesitate to give it that title. but I, I, think, I think American Pie is a much better movie than this, because it's much more coherent and memorable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet we watched Beach Blanket Bingo. Beach Blanket Bingo so. But I like the something interesting I found about like teeny bopper sixties movies. It's not mm-hmm. a genre. It's just these movies. <laughs> One company was like, we can like bank on Frankie uh, Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello. Like that makes like we uh-huh. could do a series of that. And there weren't. There were just twelve of them. There's like eleven or twelve. There were twelve. Like, of them? Eleven or twelve of them. They go like in and out of being about Frankie and Annette or and like And Bonehead, you can't forget the best character in the Bonehead movie. is the protagonist. He goes on a hero's journey <laughs> and he learns nothing. Pull out the story wheel. We gotta walk through this for Bonehead only. <laughs> but I ass- I assumed when I first saw this movie that there was like many of these. It's just really this series. Uh so it it it's it's like it, it like it, it, this is the movie it becomes like self-parody of itself like i think it i think it mm-hmm. understands how ridiculous it's being but we'll, <laughs> we'll leave that up to you audience yes <laughs> this might be the movie that i have the most trouble getting through I, so we've had a lot of guests on this podcast who are very verbose uh, but this might be the first one where i genuinely have a hard time getting through the plot summary because it is too funny <laughs> like <laughs> Just thinking, like reading the first line of my notes, which is not even a humorous line. It's just the opening shot of the movie. I'm struggling to hold back laughter. <laughs> but we but we open. <laughs> uh, we get a sort of like uh, beginning credit sequence. This is common of movies pre like 1970 mm-hmm. or so, where we get the actors kind of freeze framing on beach blankets. A lot of them saying bingo. And, uh, but the bingo means you know, something the different actor. each time. <laughs> Bingo does have various meetings. We also see a few of the the other the cast of characters beyond just these teens, quote unquote teens on the beach. Uh, <laughs> there's there's some uh, some bikers and a lot of leather watching from a, a cliff or something. Uh, there's a, a pair of folks who are actually playing bingo on the beach, not beach blanket bingo, which we'll learn in just a second is something different <laughs> entirely. But the actual game bingo, <laughs> and then actual Buster Keaton, actual Buster Keaton <laughs> as himself. Actual- as himself, his character is named Buster, and he just does Buster Keaton-style antics throughout the back of the movie. So we have to assume he's playing himself, but also he's the brother of, like, a 
a, a skydiving business owner, which I don't know enough about Buster Keaton to know if that's actually true to his I life. Don't, I, were they brothers? Or was, he, or, or was <laughs> Buster Keaton just around? I thought he there was a line where he's like, this is my, he was either my brother or my helper, and then this is his helper's oh, helper. Oh, yeah. But I don't remember... Oh yeah, this is my helper. I want to say brother. That's his help. We'll get to Buster Keaton's storyline <laughs> when it arises. Is it even a story? You know what? We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, one one of the lovely ladies is dancing from her portable radio. This is important uh, on the beach. <laughs> this is this is important. This is an intro this to the movie. <laughs> maddening to me as a concept because so she's dancing. She. Okay, so we talked about Bonehead before. Bonehead <laughs> yes, is like, he's a side, like, doofus character who gets on his own, like, wacky tangent in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, surf bum kind of guy. And he's he's dancing with this girl. They're both, they both have portable radios, yeah, and headphones in, which I didn't, like, they they look like very modern headphones. I don't know why it took me out of the movie, but I was like, I, I thought know, they, they I wrote headphones. in my notes that she's dancing to her Walkman and then immediately realized that can't possibly be a Walkman. <laughs> this was 1965. But they're, they're <laughs> dancing together, listening to music rather than dancing to a radio, which is to say they invented the concept <laughs> of a silent disco. You know, that's a good point because there's another couple on the beach in the, this DD and Frankie mm-hmm. will learn. Uh, I, I assume longtime fans of the series would, all, of course, know our, our titular character, Dee Dee and Frankie. Frankie. But Dee Dee and Frankie, but for me, this was new information. Uh, they begin to tune their radio trying to find the station that the girl is dancing to. And that takes a while. It takes a long time. They, they go through several incorrect stations before they eventually find it. And the titular song, Beach Blanket Bingo, starts mm-hmm. playing as <laughs> more credits. And we, you know, this is helpful to us, the viewers, because I don't know about you, Brendan, but I'm not familiar with the rules of Beach Blanket Bingo. And let me let me walk you through what I, I the rules as I understand them as explained by this, this, this sure. musical number. <laughs> Seems to be that you just go on a date to the beach with yep. somebody. But specifically, you have to bring a mm-hmm. beach blanket. A blanket made for a guy and a girl. <laughs> made for two so it's a fairly large one because my most of my beach blankets are like mm-hmm. single use you know they're like one one person uh, <laughs> and you have to find a guy and a girl to go on mm-hmm. the beach blanket made for two and that's bingo you that's, might uh, get a bingo <laughs> it's I, it, it kind of there's a theme of like uh like promiscuity in this movie of like people like cheating or like hooking up with like several partners and like mm-hmm. finding the right one i think that that's what it's trying to get at but what i do take away from it is that it, it kind of is like a lesson in like consensual hooking up because <laughs> there's a because like it starts it's like you take a girl you take a guy you put him on a date and like if, if things go well, that's a bingo. But then there's also, like, sometimes it doesn't work out, and you got to respect that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's a very progressive, uh, you know. It was... <laughs> I can't say anything about this movie. It was ahead of its time, but I guess that's the phrase you would no, use. It is stuck severely in its time. <laughs> Uh, so they sing it us all throughout the the rest of the opening mm. credits, directly addressing the audience, which does make this song a call to action <laughs> of sorts. <laughs> uh, and at one point during the song, in the beginning of his Buster Keaton antics, Buster Keaton, who I have to assume is playing himself, is fishing, and he casts his line backwards, and he catches someone's bikini top, and <laughs> he reels it in from the and ocean. And then the song abruptly ends in, like, the middle of a phrase. 
like it doesn't fade yeah. out or like go blah, 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 and then like a silly gag it's like the song is over now we're watching buster keaton fish <laughs> that's maybe the least integrated the buster keaton antics are with the rest of the movie i think this is the scene of his that stood out the most because everything else is it's very i don't know it's fairly seamless and <laughs> diagenic i would say <laughs> seamless and diagenic are two words i would not associate with this film because it does raise a question right like this Mm -hmm. The, the opening number does raise a question. Is the is it a musical? And you don't really, because it seems like because they're listening to the radio and they're like yeah. singing along, you can't really tell if it's like, mm -hmm. a, like a musical mm -hmm. or a movie with music. <laughs> and it's not until much later that they, that they decide like, no, it's a musical. <laughs> like people are singing in character to other people are singing in character. Uh, so as the song kind of comes to an end, the gang at the beach, the surfers and or teens, we don't know, are staring at a, a Goodwill blimp that goes by with a very difficult to read advertisement on the back that is advertising Sugar Cane's new album. It took me several minutes with the movie pause to read mm. the text. And then two seconds later, Frankie will, of course, tell us what was on the blimp so that <laughs> the <laughs> audience members, savvy, savvy viewers like me who take time out of their day to go back and make sure they didn't miss any important <laughs> plot details are made the fool of almost immediately. Uh, but before we get a chance to dwell on that information, we've received uh, again we cut to a plane where a gal is getting ready to go skydiving uh, everyone on the beach is sort of watching excited about this stunt that's about to happen and uh, well they, I, bonnie right <laughs> her name is bonnie oh please i will uh, i i have a theory about this there, this happens a couple times in the movie where someone will say something and it'll put into context what they were already doing it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a right a, a woman named bonnie Mm -hmm. And uh, her boyfriend, Steve, is the pilot. Uh, but Bonnie's a skydiver. Yes. She jumps out. Are, are they dating at this point in the movie? I thought they got together later on. It, they, have a, they have a side plot. <laughs> One of I the think many. that's the main plot, <laughs> honestly, to be fair. Is it? <laughs> but I, I think they're always dating in the movie. And they just like have a rocky, sort of jealous, flirty relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, she jumps out of the plane. And immediately Bonehead and Butch, who's that other guy, Butch isn't important to the plot, but sometimes they need a third guy to say something <laughs> just to break <laughs> up the scene. So they give a line to Butch. Yeah, yeah. But Butch and Bonehead both make jokes about, they're very sexist jokes about like, oh, a woman's jumping out of a plane. Oh, I bet she fell. <laughs> and it's not like, there's a couple shots in back and forth. It's like 20 seconds later into it before Frankie realizes he goes, oh, she's doing a free fall. And their level of excitement was the same the whole time. So, <laughs> so I think the implication is they were excited to see a woman fall to her death. And then halfway through they were like, whoa, check it out. She's like doing something on purpose. <laughs> Ominous. That's that's totally, I think, cor the correct read for the movie because <laughs> there will be some genuine moments of peril that are undercut by the strangest one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so, Sophia, I'm so, like, I have a, I, I'm a, I was a little worried in choosing this movie because I was like, I hope, I hope, like, maybe people, like, won't be interested. Like, I don't, I don't want people, like, the viewers, like, the listeners to draw because they don't, don't know what it is. Fascinating. You have, listeners, you have no clue where this movie ends. <laughs> it's my favorite <laughs> secret to keep when I'm showing somebody the movie is, I know it starts very casual and charming. But like it gets so real and so intense in like an hour. <laughs> but so Bonnie jumps out. Of yeah. The, so uh, Bonnie jumps out. Of Bonnie jumps out of the plane as she's in free fall. We get a shot of I think a naked girl in the water. She's fully uh, naked. Swimming around. Don't worry about her. 
She's fully naked. Yeah, don't, um, don't worry about her. We, we, we cut away very quickly. <laughs> like, I know they're like trying to foreshadow or something, but yeah, don't think about her for the next half an hour. She's got yeah, her yeah, time. Yeah. She's, it's just there as like a little, a little uh, seeding up another side plot that will happen later mm. on. Dee Dee has a throwaway line about how she was conned into buying Grant's tomb so you can date this movie to 1965. Uh, and as, <laughs> as the skydiver lands in the ocean, uh, a boat goes out to reach her and she swaps places with Sugar, Sugar Kane, Kane, the singer who was advertised on the Goodwill Blimp sign earlier. Uh, so she was faking the stunt for Sugar Kane to the publicity stunt. Whoa. <laughs> and Sugar gets back in the water and the whole bunch of surfers run out to try and help her get back to shore. They do, like, because they see the boat with Sugar Kane on it, like, come stop by mm-hmm. her. And they make a comment. They're like, oh, those guys are going to save her because <laughs> she's in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, they didn't save her. Like, they make, they make no effort to, like, who are those people who decided not to save this woman? <laughs> Investigative abilities are not the strong suit of anyone. No, 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 in this no, no, movie, no, no. But that's the strong suit of everyone in this movie is publicity stunts, as we'll mm-hmm. learn. As uh, Earl and I believe his name was Bullet. His name is. It's, <laughs> I think you're burying the lead here. Is that it's Paul Lind <laughs> and his character's name is Bullet. <laughs> You know, we gotta. There's a lot of B names flying around, so it's important to kind of throw them out as they appear. You know, we've got Bonehead, Butch, Bullet. There's a Bonnie, and Bo- as we'll Bonnie. meet her later, there's a Bobby. Yes. Who's very. There's so who's many. The least important character, Bobby. <laughs> so unimportant. Many of the teens are interchangeable, other than Dee Dee, Frankie, also and his, and Sugar, historically, I, I do want to say for context, Earl mm-hmm. Wilson, the reporter in the movie, is a real journalist, and his name is Earl Wilson. <laughs> He is also playing himself. <laughs> he was like a Broadway gossip columnist at the time. Oh my god. Do you think people like they gas him up so much in this movie? Do you think he just like showed up on set a couple days and they're like, well, I guess Earl's like been in a few shots. Do, like, do you think they wrote dialogue for him? Because every shot he's in, someone comes up to him and they're like, oh my god, it's Earl, the amazing columnist. You're the greatest writer ever. Do you think people like just kind of were just doing that on set and the cameras were still rolling and they just cut it in? So they're like, yeah, we don't, you know, we, <laughs> doesn't matter. We got a pad for time anyway. It's it's all right. It's it seems like if if the director if. Earl Wilson decided to show up, the director would have been like, I think he's in the movie. He's probably in the movie, right? It'd be weird if he wasn't in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we already got Buster Keaton hanging around, so you might as well just throw Earl in, too. <laughs> uh, so Earl and, Earl and Bullet, a bunch of promoters and journalists, rush onto the beach, excited to write about the story they've concocted uh, with Sugar about the surfers who saved the girl, and Frankie, one of our surfers who I, I guess was in the water with them. I, I kind of I don't think he was. I, horde of teenagers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I watched the movie. He wasn't in there. Okay. Well, he, he's got, he's helping Sugar out, uh, and, and Bullet, who will dislike Frankie for the rest of the movie, uh, <laughs> tries to make him the, the feature savior of mm-hmm. the story. Looped into the article, of course, is the surfer, which makes his girlfriend, Dee Dee, very peeved. Uh, She's a little like, mm, what are you doing? This is the line. I wrote down a couple lines. <laughs> this is the li- <laughs> So basically, Bullets is like, uh, Frankie, pose, like, put your arm around sugarcane so like we can get like a nice picture mm-hmm. for the paper. And Frankie says... Mm-hmm. If I put my arm around someone, I'd like it to be my idea. 
which is very like there's no other way to read it is like oh i don't want to like <laughs> like i don't want to be like seen with another girl like i have a girlfriend is very clearly yeah. the only way to comprehend that line but it that's the line that pisses annette off so much that she leaves frame she's like oh big eye roll <laughs> Uh, also important to note here is that Sugarcane changes out of her, like, flight suit that she was wearing into a swimsuit of an identical print, <laughs> which I thought was a wonderful amount of force thought on her, <laughs> on her part. <laughs> and one of ma- many fantastic costume choices throughout this mm-hmm. film. Uh, all the lads just <laughs> all the lads just love that, you know, Sugarcane. There are girls as, in... Uh, as Bonehead <laughs> says, now that's what I call a healthy girl, which is... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what a lie. Every other girl in this scene is in a bathing suit. <laughs> like, maybe we, like they're at the beach. There's not like I'm not saying that who uh, I'm not saying that she was an unattractive person, but it shouldn't be shock. They shouldn't be amazed. No. No, especially cuz Dee was rocking a pink one piece that was just fantastic. Very fit. What a look. Yeah, it it was. <laughs> uh also I had I had a few questions about the theory behind the, so the promotion that they're running here is to promote Sugarcane's new album, which is music. A thing you listen to is that someone someone who looked like her jumped out of a plane and then got saved by a bunch of servers at the beach, which I don't necessarily know what that has to do with music specifically, and it also feels like a lot of work. Well, for I don't know if you caught it. This is the first time I've ever caught this line. Do you know what her album is? Oh, I don't, Brenda. <laughs> the way album? Paul Lynn describes it, he goes, she's here to promote her album of sky songs. <laughs> it's a concept album, I guess, that's all about sky. <laughs> she sings some song from it in the movie and they're not about the sky, though. <laughs> I, I thought, no, I think, she, I gotta give this movie credit. I don't think I wrote, I, I think there's like some sky references. I think there's like a, like a song about like a fly uh-huh. boy or something. It does stay on theme, All right. but <laughs> we we got to keep going. I'll bring it up when it comes up. It's about to it. come up in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll come up with it. Uh, all of this goes down. There's also a biker gang watching the rats uh, who is led by <laughs> Von Zipper, who is quite the character. Uh, he's got a run of very bad luck. And he's sort of like a... How to, how to describe Von Zipper <laughs> he, for the audience to really paint a ta- rich tapestry of this character. He makes uh, Three Stooges sounds when he does everything. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He, he, I, think, I think a good way to describe the opening gag that he presents, which is like he and his, he, so he immediately falls in love with Sugar when he sees her on the beach. Mm-hmm. He, he's, she's his idol, as he will solely address her as for the rest of the movie. And uh, he gets into the sidecar of a motorcycle. Right. And I will say, I, I, I mentioned earlier, <laughs> it's one series of movies that like swerve in and out of people playing the same character and like who's important. Mm-hmm. Eric Von Zipper and the rats are the only constant. They are in every movie. <laughs> so this is their fourth or fifth movie. And uh, Eric gets in the sidecar and he goes, wait, no, we're not going to drive off. I'm going to get in the motorcycle and you're going to get in the sidecar. Because I know it's going to happen because everyone's going to drive off and the sidecar is going to stay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they switch and then everyone drives off. And of course, the sidecar drives off on its own and, the, <laughs> and Eric's motorcycle stays in place. And I think this is the first time he says his signature catchphrase. Why me? Why <laughs> yes. me all the time? Also, I think it's, the, it's, the, it's critical to point out if, 
if we're confused as to how old Frankie and Annette are, I was like, oh, are they 21? How are they 16? I can't tell. Zipper? Eric Von Zipper is like 50. <laughs> 50 easy. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's fifty easy, but he is uh, immediately madly in love with uh, Sugar. Who's got to be like nineteen? She's got to be. Also, <laughs> bullets keeps referring to her like she's like you can think of me as like your father. Like that's so weird, dude. It's so uncomfortable. He <laughs> keeps doing this weird stare. I'm like, are you in love with her, or are you just even weirder than you were earlier? There's no way to know for sure. <laughs> so- so the photographer and Ernie and Bullets leave well, the beach I, and Sugar's talking to some of the teens. I have another one of my, like, reconceptualizing <laughs> please, moments. Please, please. Uh, mm-hmm. Bullet says, you, you, every, like, he, there's a whole crowd of, like, the teeny boppers on the beach. And she goes, mm-hmm. uh, you can visit. Uh, she's staying at the beach house. Everyone can visit whenever they want. And then a, in the next scene, and a couple scenes later, we see everyone seemingly living at the beach house. <laughs> which... <laughs> Which could only bring up the question, where have these people been living? Were they just, did they <laughs> show up at the beach? They're teens of the beach, Brendan. They live where the beach blankets are. If you roll out a blanket, they will appear and they will start to actually play bingo. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you summon them. That's how they find their residences. Because they wouldn't have found this residence if they weren't playing beach blanket bingo. So clearly this is a long-term strategy that's of theirs. Fair. I... <laughs> But crucially important is the most insane line that I never got before here. So Sugar, Sugar's kind of like, you can tell she's like, she's like a little bit like attracted, attracted to Frankie. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she's leaving and she goes, bye. And Frankie goes, Frankie. And then she goes, <laughs> bye, Frankie. <laughs> but like, she, she didn't say bye, like, oh, bye. Uh, I didn't catch your name. She just says bye, like it's the end of the conversation. And Frankie says, it's like, it's such a one-to-one in the scene in Psycho. When when, uh, uh, he's talking to Vivian Lee's character in like the back office. And uh, she's like, thank you. And he goes, thank you, Norman. Because he knows manners. Like it's, it's psychotic behavior. Frankie has a very unique grasp of how conversations begin and end and he will often address the audience directly so i'm not surprised that he's the one who has the he's sort of like a omniscient narrator you know he he really is um not only guiding he and his friends through the plot but the audience as well and i i'm i'm not sure i'm thankful for it but it was fun as hell it reads a little bit more like frankie avalon is reminding the actress what her full line is than it does a human conversation (laughs) So the as Sugar is leaving the beach, you know, the teens are all asking her, like, oh, where'd you learn to skydive? And she's, like, a little awkward about it because she didn't actually, mm-hmm. you know, skydive. And she's like, oh, I went to I went to Big Drops. It's, like, just over the hill or whatever. So we know that the next day the teens are going to go to Big Drops and maybe they'll learn how to skydive, which is a very extreme sport for them to be casually be taking up <laughs> uh, while at the beach. But, you know, to each their own. Uh, and as Sugar leaves the beach, of course, Eric Von Zipper is like, I'm going to protect Sugar. She's my new idol. And they all do ride off and do the gag. Uh, then we get our... <laughs> Our next Buster Keaton the, bit. This is the. <laughs> this is where we meet Bobby. This is where we meet Bobby. Uh, so Buster Keaton, fully dressed in Buster Keaton attire, is painting on the beach when a a woman in a bikini walks up in front of his easel, uh, and she's sort of like, I think she knocks it over, like wind blow or something, or does he fall into I it? I think he's so horny Some that he falls of, over. That's that right? sounds right. That sounds I, right. <laughs> 
it all at this point I was like this movie is just a little bit off from what I was expecting it to be based on the title and plot description and I'm not quite sure <laughs> I'm not I'm not quite sure what the vibe is so I was my notes in this section of the movie are a little hazy but yeah he he you know he does a, a classic fall and knocks over the easel he's all peeved and he starts chasing the lady down the beach she's running away and then uh, they run off the frame and then they run back into frame the opposite direction now both being chased by a dog, uh, which prompts one of the teens to say, it's a wiggy beach. And then we cut to the beach house. <laughs> Having had our gag for this half hour of the movie, we can now return to the quote unquote plot. Oh, this is not plot. <laughs> this is, this is the, the, the last time I watched this movie was a couple, I think it was like a month or two ago, which is why it was so fresh on the brain. But when I saw this next scene, I was <laughs> I was like, this, but this, this must be like, they must have said something to set this up. Like this, this, mm-hmm. this must be like, there has to be a reason for this. There is not. Nope. Uh, it's a bunch of, bunch of the teens are all at the beach house. They're, they're roasting some hot dogs over the fireplace. And uh, one of the, one of them crazy kids starts performing a live musical number and they make one girl specifically sing the lead. It's not Sugarcane who has been introduced to us as a singer. That's no, no, no. It's a, <laughs> it's a different never named woman. Well, she, I, <laughs> or at least to, is she named? Cause I, she can't to she. give her credit, she, they, she, uh, somebody starts playing an acoustic guitar and says, Donna, sing. And uh, then okay, not so an named. acoustic guitar starts playing. <laughs> but her, her, her name is Donna Lauren or Donna Loren. And she was, she was a singer of the time. Okay. But okay. <laughs> it only raises the further question. Well, then why isn't she playing Sugar Cane? <laughs> like if the movie's about like a publicity stunt to like make a, like a new singer of the time famous, why wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't Donna Lauren be the Sugar Cane role? <laughs> You're looking for logic in a movie where I think there is none. I think it was just, well, Sugarcane has already said some lines on yeah. camera, so we must we must make Donna a different <laughs> a different character entirely. They shot this movie in uh, order during this musical as they were writing it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, as they're singing the song, or as she's singing the song, um, <laughs> one of the dudes does feed a hot dog to his friend while he's lying down, which I thought was real sweet of them. <laughs> And the, uh, the and they keep cutting to this one guy who's just absolutely in tears, like solemnly watching. It's a close up of just his face until later in the song when they pan down and reveal that he's been chopping onions <laughs> this whole time, and that's why he's crying. <laughs> and the one couple, there's a couple in this movie who, in every single song, they cut to them just deciding that they're going to start making out, and they do. They cut to them midway through the this song is and they Butch. decide to start making out. Is that? That's Butch. This is Butch and his <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> the other this is that third guy. This is Butch and his girlfriend who, while I was watching the movie, I kept bringing up IMDb. I was like, she must. She has some lines. She's like, I, I think she's supposed to be Annette's best friend. She does not have a name. She like <laughs> most of the women in this movie are uh, credited as Beach Girl. I think she's played by Mary Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so this this gal finishes her song, and to indicate to us and the moviegoers that the song is over, she picks up a burnt hot dog and laughs. <laughs> this hot dog, when I say burnt, is fully black. It is, it is a piece of charcoal. Now, <laughs> I would not, I would not eat that. She may, because clearly everyone in this movie is living in some bizarro beach world <laughs> where the regular laws of reality do not apply. No. But you know, that's fine. Uh, Frankie and Dee Dee are walking along the beach. We were kind of arguing a little bit about whether Dee Dee can go sky. <laughs> Please. I'm sorry. I got to interject again. Bef- <laughs> before they go out walking on the beach, which is important because it's mirrored later. 
there, there's cinematic like poetry in this. But I, I gotta say, before they, <laughs> before they're walking along the beach, Frankie and Dee Dee show up at the beach house, which is full of teens. Everyone loses their mind when Frankie and Dee Dee walk on. <laughs> like it's as if like it feels like that was the first day of shooting, and they didn't tell anyone in the cast that Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello were showing up that day, and they walked through the door, and everyone was like, "Whoa, no way!" <laughs> But then the boys and the girls get into a bit of an argument, which turns into a lights out pedal fight, which I, which is completely unsafe. And also I can only assume it evolves into a, a rampant tween orgy, right? Oh, yeah. It's, we have to assume. You it's, know, it's implicit. There were standards of the time that they were upholding, and this is just the closest <laughs> that they could get is obviously implied pillow fight uh, turned orgy. But this... this yeah, but then Please. Annette and uh, Frankie leave to <laughs> fight. They have a huge yeah, argument. They they argue a bit. They have one of the, they really only have like you would think that their fundamental argument throughout the movie will be Dee Dee being worried about Frankie being in sugarcane, mm-hmm. but that is other than a few like annoyed glances, not really plot relevant. Their main conflict is that Dee Dee wants to go skydiving and Frankie doesn't want her to jump out of the plane. And Dee Dee's like, well, I can. Women can skydive. That chick who skydived today was a woman. And then they have a whole conversation about how women have a few rights, like voting, which Frankie called a real American tragedy. <laughs> it's, it was reminding me once again that this is a 1965 movie. <laughs> it would be so simple and easy and make so much sense if Frankie was just like, I don't want you skydiving. I think it's dangerous. I don't want anything to happen to you. But no, it has to be women can't. Uh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but they'll they'll continue to argue about that pretty much every time they are in the same scene yes. together throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, back at the beach house, Butch is jamming out to his radio, uh, and one of the girls comes back and like walks through the whole first floor, and then we pan up and we see that the the house is divided as to the guys and the girls' floors, the girls up top, and there's a sign next to the stairs with arrows pointing up that says, that says heavens above. <laughs> and we see all the gals hanging out in the loft. Uh. And then Dee Dee and Frankie come home and everyone absolutely cheers. Um, Bonehead compares them to Mark Antony and yes. Cleopatra, which was a real a real literary pull for mm. Bonehead, who almost spends the most of the movie uh, being as literal as possible. Sometimes it's my favorite thing. Sometimes people call him Gugu, which is to say like an insult meaning dumb because the writers realize, oh, well, his name's already Bonehead. Like we need like we need a new insult. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is where people lose their minds. I was I, I got the movie out of place mm-hmm. because for no reason at all, I mean... they leave the beach house scene to go to the beach. Yep. Uh. Everyone, everyone decides everyone in the house unanimously is like, we're going to go skydiving. Mm-hmm. So the next day, they roll up to Big Drops, which is uh, where they meet Big Drop, the owner of Big Drops, <laughs> who is <laughs> just called, he explains that it's a nickname, uh, and that they used to call him Big Droop, but then he had it shortened, <laughs> and we, we got away from Big Drops. <laughs> I have to assume it's a dick joke. I have to. I, I, what else could it be? <laughs> if you're... If, if you're watch, if you if you've decided to do a watch along to this movie for whatever reason, if if this podcast lines <laughs> up perfectly, movie. like <laughs> like Dark Side of the Moon and The Wizard of Oz, and you're asking yourself right now, why is why was that line like kind of funny? It's it's definitely because Don Rickles plays Big Drop and clearly wrote all of his own lines in the movie. 
Oh, yeah. Like, they're not his way better, are... but they're just better. Yeah, he has a scene later on where he just kind of roasts all of the kids, and he just goes around and is genuinely mean to everyone in the cast, and it's fa- we'll get we'll talk about it more when we get to it, because it is fantastic. That, it, it feel, that really feels like a, we kept the cameras rolling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, he explains his nickname. I don't know. I got so. Oh, and this is also when we find out who Buster Keaton is playing, other than himself? Question yes. mark. Uh, as Big Job introduces him as his uh, helper and Bobby as Buster's helper. Um, Buster also. I gotta. If, if you couldn't assume, <laughs> Buster in no way at all helps with. The, nope. He's just. <laughs> did you clock the line that he just does? And that Big Job says about uh, because Big Job says. That's my helper's helper. That's my helper, and that's my helper's helper, mm-hmm. referring to Bobby. And Frankie Avalon says, mm-hmm. looks like she needs a helper because Buster Keaton is chasing and assaulting <laughs> her. And then right. Big Drop's explanation to this is, it's just good, clean fun keeps him out of pool halls. Which which I guess pool halls are a genuinely dangerous location in this movie, seeing as later one of the only actual crimes will happen at a pool hall. It's so... <laughs> the movie really ramps up. <laughs> Oh, so the gang, the gang of teens enter the hangar and they meet uh, Bonnie and Steve, mm-hmm. um, the gal who jumped yesterday and her pilot who may or may not be dating at this point, but we assume are they got something yeah. going on. Uh, Bonnie is immediately into Frankie, which makes the second woman in this movie who is immediately into Frankie that will uh, she'll have slightly more bearing on the plot than Sugar does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonnie starts flirting with Frankie, which makes Dee Dee peeved again, but uh, she just sort of glowers and her and Steve have like a sort of side glowering shot that they do a lot where Steve and Dee Dee will just be like, ah, I can't believe our significant others are over there flirting and then just sort of glower together. They do. And it doesn't really become plot re- relevant till much, much later, but they do it a few times before it actually starts affecting they events. They keep trying to push like, oh, and like Dee Dee's into Steve. It's just like, no, like, it's like just no. two people who are mad <laughs> their partners might be cheating on them. Bonnie and Steve are both like, yeah, Dee Dee and the gals can totally jump. Bonnie's jumped like over a hundred times and she's still in one piece. And then someone says, can you say that again and then steve delivers the line in what i can only assume was the exact it same is. shot I, repeated because it is the exact same delivery i it is the same. I, re, I i looked at annette the second time i was like she did the exact same thing it's the same yeah which is like really funny There's, so funny they do that a couple times where they reuse the same mm. shot they do it at the uh, dance hall later on it's maybe my favorite editing technique in the entire movie i'm like i I can't decide if this was a joke you had written into the movie because the line could play out either way. But I'm so glad with you, you went with the let's just use the exact same piece of tape <laughs> option. That was the best way to play that. Uh, Bonnie and Steve sort of walk the kids through free fall, uh, you know, doing all sorts of drills like jumping and Bonnie and Steve are like, you know what, we're going to show you how it ha- works. And then they go up in the plane and they, they do a free fall. And this is our first of a few skydiving sequences where they do tricks in the air <laughs> for a bit. They Bonnie- <laughs> Yeah, uh, Steve has a hula hoop and Bonnie like glides through the hula hoop and you know they land a okay. Um, but back at the beach, <laughs> Bonehead is heading out to sea. We see that what I think is the same shot of the naked girl in the water. Again. She th- is she in a different location because it was really hard to I, tell. I, I, I can't remember now that I think about it, but I I did remember upon upon seeing her this time. <laughs> There's like there's like one or two scenes that like clearly take place in like a water tank like where they where they're supposed to film these things <laughs> and everything else it's like they just put a naked girl into the ocean and she does not look safe and she does not look like she has a handle on what's going on no she's just like by some rocks there are like waves crashing over she looks in distress the whole time 
yeah. Uh, so Bonehead goes out to surf and he he does a little bit, but then he falls off the surfboard and he he seems to be in immediate mortal peril as he is drowning. Uh, but luckily, the naked girl saves him uh, and <laughs> and drags him up to the beach before disappearing back into the ocean as Sugar runs out to help the just coming back to awareness Bonehead. <laughs> the publicist rolls up and is like, oh, this is another great stunt that I totally planned where Sugar saves the surfer. <laughs> Every time he's on screen, he will claim that whatever is happening is a is a publicity stunt. Mm-hmm. And it's always this is another side plot to the it's movie. It's always the same publicity <laughs> stunt. It's only ever yes. someone saved someone's life. This one notably having no ties to the sky, which means it has no, no. ties to the album itself. <laughs> <laughs> the first one I will give them a hard maybe on that I guess you could interpret skydiving as a stunt for a, a sky-themed album, which again, I need so many more details about sky-themed, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see if the movie addresses that. But this one is all ocean-based. This is, this is a beach, if this is not a beach album, then what are you doing? <laughs> How are you gonna spin this? I'll also, like, this is a good time to point out, this movie takes place over like three or four days. It's not like the whole summer. Cause it's always like, oh, <laughs> no. meet me at the dance tomorrow. And then you see like, it's all mm-hmm. one after the other. So if I was like following Sugarcane's story and I saw, oh, somebody <laughs> saved her. And then the next day she's like, it, it's it's not believable at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. All the kids get invited to supper at Sugar's the next night. And as they're all sort of dispersing, Bonehead says something along the lines of, you know something? I don't know anything. Which prompts his friends to mock him and do a coordinated like sassy snap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> Which they never do again, but I really wish they did. <laughs> it's just like a t- close-up shot of, I assume, Butch yeah, it's and Butch. Uh, Frankie. They needed a second they, like, guy. They, <laughs> they needed a second guy who was a bonehead. So they, they like slap their hands, and then they like curl their fingers up, and then they snap. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, give this be a new handshake. Can we, next time I see you in person, can we do the, the beach blanket bingo handshake? Sophia, I haven't, I, I haven't seen you in person in like, over a year and a half, I would love. <laughs> I would love to go right to it. <laughs> yes, amazing. <laughs> no, like, oh, has it been? Or like a big hug? Just nope. It's on, it's site. on site. No words. <laughs> <laughs> Clap, finger curl, snap. I will learn to snap to be able do to do this handshake. Because I guess this, I, I don't. It's been actually a real flaw oh. in my life is that I can't whistle or snap, and I would do a lot of production sound, and you have to test mm. microphones a lot. So I have a doorbell that I got from an economy <laughs> hardware that makes a really satisfying click sound that'll hold up to microphones instead of snapping. And I pretend like it's a bit, but really it's been a way to avoid learning how to snap this whole time. I, I think I was in like, like third or fourth grade when I realized I didn't know how to, so I just spent like a week trying to do it. But like even, mm-hmm. like I saw a production of West Side Story once when I was in high school. And uh, the way they opened it was like the leader of like the Jets came out. And this is a tangent. This is a tangent. Adult. That's okay. The leader okay. <laughs> of the Jets came out and uh, he snaps on stage first and like everyone joins him snapping. And then the music starts, like rather than just starting with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's this like, it's like 15 year old kid gets on stage alone. Everyone in the world is staring at him and snaps. And I was like, I don't think I could do that. I couldn't reliably do that. <laughs> I, I didn't know I was afraid of that until now, but yeah, that couldn't be me up there. <laughs> Amazing. Well, well, we'll leave that side story and get back to the other side plots that we're discussing. Yeah, that, to be fair, what I just said has as much relevance as uh, anything oh, that yeah. happens in this that movie. That could have 
Honestly, that could have been a line out of Von Ziffer's mouth. And if you told me that I just like zoned out during that line delivery, I would have totally believed you. Um, so we go to a pool hall, notably uh, a place that Buster Keaton is staying away from, uh, where the where the rats, the bikers, are taking their sweet time shooting pool with a big guy named Slim. South Dakota Slim. If Eric is 50, South Dakota Slim is like 70. Oh, yeah. This is an old man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Von Zipper is taking forever to shoot on his turn, which is a running gag with every time they're playing pool with Slim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Von Zipper is taking forever to shoot since Slim is making fun of him. Like, oh, you're going to shoot pool or we're going to take a nap. <laughs> one of the one of the other <laughs> bikers runs in with the paper, uh, the newspaper, and st- which I assume was published <laughs> maybe an hour earlier because it's the same day, presumably. This is the second edition. Uh, the second <laughs> And he, he opens the paper and he starts trying to read it to Von Zipper after telling him to look at the picture because I guess the implication is that this guy Eric can't read. cannot read. Uh, Eric can't Eric read can't at read. all. <laughs> JD, his friend, which stands for juvenile delinquent, mm-hmm. he can kind of read. Like he keeps adding letters just enough that it's like charming. I think it's really yes. cute to watch him read. Uh, they, they, they really they struggle through it, but they eventually get out that um, sugar was saved by the surfers. Or Sugar Save the Surfer. At this point, I it, I was just like, look, it's going to be one of the two quote-unquote publicity stunts that they have done in this movie so far, so we'll just guess. And the uh, gang is, like, redetermined to go protect Sugar from mm-hmm. the surfers at dinner the next day, which they also seem to know is happening, despite my understanding of it being just, like, an invitation that the surfers were given <laughs> yeah. on the beach. <laughs> uh, but before they do leave the pool hall, they sing a musical number about following their leader, Von Zipper. <laughs> I forgot that this is... So it takes this long. It's like half an hour to the movie where you're like, oh, no, this is like a music. This is a music. This is actually he's yes. singing to us. Yeah, this is a this is choreo. There's choreography. He is clearly singing to the mm-hmm. audience. They have a whole they trot around the pool hall uh, as they as they go to exit. It's definitely this is a music. This is also this, this is also the scene where Eric crushes a cue ball uh, with his bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Turns oh, into gosh. chalk. And like the whole movie, you're like, he's not a real bad guy. He's silly. But also he's strong as shit and could he could crush your windpipe if he wanted yes. to. So that evening, I assume, the publicist struggles to appeal to the kids, but then Sugar gets up to do a musical number mm-hmm. right after the last number ends and the mood of the event is saved. Sugar's song is called New Love, and it looks like she's singing to Frankie, which would, again, peeves off Dee Dee, but there's nothing will come of this. No. It's just a, a series of, of, of glances and shots that may or may not be directed towards Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to note that this band has... Some maybe my favorite turtleneck sweater in the movie. It's like this, it's like a, a color blocked like red V, and they only wear these sweaters in every single scene they're in. Even though this movie takes place over multiple days, it, so I have to assume that's a band uniform. It looks like they're wearing two sweaters. It looks like they're wearing a it turtleneck does. and a cardigan. <laughs> and also, but it's just the one. To give them their due, this is a real band. This is a real band called the Hondels or the Hondels. Are we sure this is a scripted movie and not just like? <laughs> like an MTV like, real world type deal. <laughs> like, are we sure they didn't just go shoot at a beach for a while and like just cut the tape together? <laughs> because it, it doesn't feel like there were any actors. It feels like there was just a lot of people wandering around. <laughs> no, yeah, no one's acting in this movie. People are no. at best saying lines. <laughs> uh, so the song ends and uh, Bullets gets another pick with all the kids uh, as they begin their their ceaseless dance once I more. Fucking, um, <laughs> I love watching actual people in the 60s dance. 
Because, like, <laughs> like, if you watch a movie now... It's so funny. And, like, mm-hmm. they, sh- they have, like, a scene. Like, people are, like, twisting or, like, mashed potatoing, which is, like, dances you think they would be... They just twitch. They just twitch. Yeah. <laughs> they just twitch and spasm. And their arms go this way and it their butt goes the other way. incredible. I'm like, I can't tell if you guys... I mean, you don't have no. rhythm, but I can't tell if you're trying to have rhythm or not. And that's what's... In- it's... It's the whitest dancing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And I, I used to take yearbook photos at high school dances in suburban Pennsylvania. So if I've seen some white people dancing in my time and this this takes the cake. <laughs> uh, almost immediately as the mood uh, returns to hype, Von Zipper and his gang busts in, taking very large steps, busting oh, the party up. <laughs> I wrote that. I wrote down that line because it made me laugh. He says, stand aside, everyone. I take large steps. That's just funny. Like, he's not, like, he's not threatening them. He's just like, everyone, I have a condition. I'm a big walker. <laughs> yep. Uh, Zipper's like, I don't want you to make an, to sugar, I don't want you to make an album about the surfer. You should make one about the cycles, the sickles. Because <laughs> they all call them sickles instead of cycles, which I guess cycles is what you would call a motorbike back in the day. <laughs> yeah, even, like, that's too much slang for us. And then they went a step further. They're like, ah, no, no, no. Uh, bullets is trying to shoot them out, and instead the uh, the sickles get frozen by a, like a. <laughs> this this scene was incomprehensible to me. There's some sort of like martial arts move of putting your your pointer fingers on the side of your face and then looking at someone, and then they freeze like like they're frozen in place, like they're playing freeze tag, and they just got tagged. Well, because this is this is a weird thing. They introduce that insane concept, and I think the idea is like you're supposed you're you're supposed to put your fingers on somebody else's temples and then sugarcane goes oh like this uh, which it's also really important to note <laughs> sugarcane is as equally into eric von zipper as she was to frankie <laughs> like she's yes. she's down she's fine with him she's just like having a good time she's like oh he's kind of quirky <laughs> I guess. But th- th- so she does it on herself, and then Eric freezes, and uh-huh. then they make a comment like, "Oh, that's not how it works." Like, is it, like it's too much information. Uh, so the, the the sickles get you know showed out of the party in their frozen form, uh, presumably to go I don't know thaw out or something. <laughs> we never see uh, it. And Didi's like, we never we never see what happens. Uh, and then Didi's like, "Yo, Frankie, where's Bonehead?" And he's like, "I don't know." And then we cut to Bonehead out in the ocean looking for the naked lady of the sea, uh, and he finds her. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> she keeps dodging his various offers to come on land with him but they agree to meet the next day at a cove and we think that like at the cove the next day she'll reveal that she's a mermaid but no she just tells him right now in this scene at the end she's like my name is Lorelai and also I am a mermaid and Bonehead's just like yeah okay and she like (laughs) I can roll with that like the scene basically ends she's like I am a mermaid and then you see her swim away and like you see her tail flop up and you're like, oh, done mm-hmm. is done. But then, but then Bonehead follows her, and they reset the shot. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, so you are a mermaid. She goes, yep. And then she leaves. <laughs> yep. There can be no confusion. It's very clear what's going also, on. Also, uh, Bonehead is—he's <laughs> wearing like skin-tight, knee-length cargo shorts in the water. Like they're like a khaki <laughs> material. Like it—it it, it looks unpleasant. Bonehead is always dressed like a Tom Sawyer-esque <laughs> character, despite being at the beach. Because he's got like a bucket yeah. hat on, sort of, but like a tulip, like a tulip-shaped mm-hmm. bucket hat and like a coin necklace on at all times. Oh, the, uh, and also like remember khakis. that necklace. <laughs> remember that necklace. Remember the coin necklace. It's an important piece of production design. 
Uh, we cut away from Bonehead and his new mermaid friend, Lorelai, to Frankie and Dee Dee, who are singing about whether or not they should get married, I think. It's a song about love. <laughs> yeah. So in the same shot composition as they were when they were having an argument the same day for no good reason, mm-hmm. now they're having a conversation <laughs> about how in love they are. Yes. And this is, uh, this is the song that I saw when I first... This is like when I turned on the movie, I saw... This is the first thing I saw of the film. Okay, I can see how if you saw... Because this song is kind of charming. I can see how if you saw this song, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, maybe this is a cute, like, throwback movie. Yeah. And then immediately the rest of the movie puts a puts puts the stop to any of that line of thinking because... <laughs> I was trying to explain this movie to a friend once, and I think he assumed it was going to be like that the whole time. Like, oh, yeah, it's just like, like they, like, surf, right? And I was like, no, this is the one with the skydiving <laughs> no. and the mermaid... And I know we mentioned him earlier. You, don't, please don't forget about South Dakota Slim. He was just in one scene. He hardly did anything, but he—it's crucial. This this man. It's so important. It's oh, also when we met, um, when the zipper, I, I completely forgot about them because every character in this movie is incomprehensible, yeah. inca- in, incapable of sticking in my brain in any way. Uh, we're introduced to Puss and Boots. Yes, who are the two the two lady members of the biker gang. Uh, <laughs> and this is also where we find out that Eric named them and also named yes. JD. Like he, like, but he doesn't say it like, and I gave him nicknames. It's like, it seems like they might no, be no, his no. kids. Like it'd be believable if he was just like, these are my children. Yeah. He I mean, he's old enough <laughs> yeah. conceivably that they, they guess they could be his children. Um, so the next day we go back to uh, Big Drop where the kids are getting more skydiving mm-hmm. lessons. Uh, Bonnie continues to hit on Frankie while Steve and Dee Dee talk about how jealous of that they are while watching Bonnie from a distance. Bonnie has Frankie put on her um, <laughs> like harness for him. Like her, uh, mm-hmm. her, her uh, parachute. Jeez. Um, and uh, <laughs> she's like, she like hands it to him. She's like, help me with this. And he goes, what do you do? Like, which implies that Frankie has never seen a backpack or a seatbelt. <laughs> Were seatbelts like uh, legally required at this as point? As I was in time? saying it back, I was as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, "Oh, you know what? It might have been no seatbelts and like a you remember when people had like their books in a little belt? Mm-hmm. I think it might have been those times." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Um, just leave, just to just to keep you know, I, we've had um, a few people write into the podcast in the past about uh, various things. And so far, no one's been like, you got this wrong. It's been fun fan theories, mostly about National Treasure and Rubber, which is a great cross. Oh, but uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to and wants to write into the podcast at moviestruckpod at gmail.com or just tweet at one of us about uh, <laughs> whether or not there were seatbelts were required in 1965, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> just to save me a Google if you could. Um, so so other Steve and Dee Dee are practicing landing, and so Dee Dee jumps off a like maybe what, what like five foot high platform onto some some like gym mat. She does company. not do it well. <laughs> no, she fully like she, her foot hits the ground, and then she just ragdolls like like a like a a, a player character in yeah. Skyrim taking too much damage. <laughs> she, she she just fully fully clips through the ground. It's like when somebody it's like when you fall off a mountain in that game, and you're like, surely they'd move yes. a little, right? <laughs> like no. <laughs> Nope, not at all. <laughs> uh, and seeing that Frankie runs over and he doesn't say anything like, are you okay? He just immediately starts trying to like make pleasant conversation mm-hmm. with her. But Dee Dee is peeved at him. And so she sort of brushes him off. Uh, meanwhile, Bonehead is staring dramatically into the sea as soft music plays in the background. <laughs> and the gang all well, arrive back at the this... beach house to find <laughs> This is 
like they play like a little like a flute theme, which is like Lorelai the mermaid's theme. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> they they make a point of it later that only Bonehead can hear this music, and he hears the music. It's not like <laughs> score. He hears this like a siren's thrall. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so yeah, he's staring dramatically in the sea as the gang arrives back and finds him completely zoned out because like you just mentioned, they can't hear the, the siren song. Uh, so he sort of like zones back in as much as Bonehead ever zones into anything, which is very little. Also, I- and he tries to describe Lorelai the, the mermaid to his concerned friends who uh, bring sugar over and are like, no, Bonehead, remember you're, you're going out with sugar tonight. Oh yeah, they Ha-ha, gaslight mermaid, him. Don't be crazy. They yeah. say you asked sugar out on a date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I do just gotta throw in <laughs> this scene more than any other scene is like very clearly from a different draft or like they they filmed this and then they filmed the rest of the movie because they because <laughs> like Frankie and the Frankie and Annette and the teens show up and Frankie and Dee mm-hmm. are holding hands even though moments ago they were fighting. They were in like a, a one of yes. their fights and <laughs> the way Frankie talks about like having just like done skydiving lessons. He was like, oh, you should have been there. It was a gas. Like, it was very clear, like, they were like, and the kids will play some sport in this movie, but we haven't, like, cleared the licensing yet. So we'll just, we'll shoot this because everyone's here on the day and then we'll, like, we'll, we'll mm-hmm, fix it in post. Mm-hmm. And then they never fixed it. No, I don't think they, there was any post on this movie other than when they needed to repeat the exact same shot for emphasis uh, or comedy, which is the only post. Or did need. they forget to film uh, it twice? <laughs> There's no way to know. I'm choosing <laughs> to believe it was a creative choice because it's, it's just maybe the it's maybe the funniest moment in the entire movie, and there's so many to pick from. So to say that is a bold claim, but I have to believe that that was on purpose. I, I as a post professional, I just I have to believe that that was on purpose. <laughs> uh, so so Bonehead, seeming having forgotten about Lorelai, thinking maybe the mermaid was a mirage of some mm. sort. Uh, swears Frankie to secrecy and then uh, agrees to take Sugar out for the evening. Later that day, they're sort of all, all dancing again in just the whitest way I've ever seen. They, and they, uh, <laughs> they, they go to, So they go to a different place, right? They don't go back to the beach house. Yes. They, no, it's a pavilion yeah. is what it's called. And also, I guess it's Big Drops. I guess he owns the pavilion. <laughs> like, he's very much yeah, in charge. Later, he'll be, like, hosting the evening at the pavilion. And then I'm like, okay, I guess Big Drop is just, like, the roast master of yeah this is this is this is actually the scene where where big drop roasts everyone so so earl comes to the mm-hmm. pavilion that night and big drop is like whoa it's earl because again he's the most famous <laughs> writer of all time <laughs> and big Drop, it seems like he's hitting on earl but then he starts roasting him. Yeah. <laughs> and then big drop with no like there's no introduction to him beginning to do this he just sort of does it walks around to each of our main mm. characters and just roasts them mercy he does a tight five it's not even funny it's just mean <laughs> it's pretty funny because you it, it was funny to me watching the movie but i'm like if someone came up to me even if i was like out at an event where i knew people were gonna get like jibbed a little bit and they just started coming for my whole life like this someone who i presumably met two days ago at their place of business, I would not take it as well as any of these <laughs> who are laughing along to it. It's because it's, it's very clearly that, and I, don't know, I, I know I said earlier that no one was acting in the movie, but like Bobby Rydell and the, not Bobby Rydell, excuse me, Frank, I get them confused. But Frankie Avalon and the rest <laughs> of the cast are not even a little bit, try, like sometimes like Don Rickles, like will say something to someone and they won't project it all. Like they're not mic'd, they're not in a scene. Yeah. And, 
I would argue that it's less that Don Rickles is roasting the characters as I would that he because he really digs in on Frankie for a while about how old he is yeah. and that he yeah, can't sing anymore. Yeah, which led to more confusion for me about how old these characters are supposed yeah. to be because they keep calling them kids, but I don't know if that's like just old timey nicknaming going on or if they're actually teens. <laughs> how old are these these actors? Not only how old are these actors, but how old are these yeah. characters supposed to be? <laughs> God, it's so unclear. Uh, and after Big Job finishes his roast, Sugarcane gets up and does another musical number. Was this one about the sky? I think this, I, this like, fully left my brain after hearing this, <laughs> I absorbed it and then I <laughs> left my head immediately. A lot of this movie, it kind of like, it, in a way, it kind of invites you to the party. In that... <laughs> <laughs> It does just feel like there's music on in the movie theater and you're just supposed to hang out. Like, it doesn't really matter what's happening on yeah. screen. Yeah, it's a real, like, it's trying to put you in the, the first person perspective as the viewer. Yeah. Like, you are a member of the game. That's why Frankie keeps talking to us directly, yeah. you know? He's he's talking to you as one of the, the surfers, as one of the teens. It's an immersive experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's 4D, but, you know, they didn't have 3D technology no. back then. So the closest they could get was this. There's actually a Oscar winner, um... I think it's called Tom Jones that does a very similar thing. And I was equally as off-put by that movie as I was whenever <laughs> Frankie talked directly to us in this one. Uh, and I can't decide if Tom Jones is, if I enjoyed this or Tom Jones more, <laughs> despite one winning Best Picture and one being the fourth in a 11-movie series <laughs> of two fathers <laughs> from the 60s. Bullet seems peeved that people start dancing to Sugar's song, which seems like a weird thing to be peeved yeah. about since she's singing a musical number. <laughs> But okay, uh, Bonnie and Steve are there because everyone is at this pavilion every night and they're sort of just mm. chatting about Frankie and Dee Dee and then they swap dance partners and it's like, is, is this going to start being a moment of conflict between these two couples now? And no, no. no, not really. They're just sort of going to dance with opposite partners. <laughs> yeah, and be peeved some more. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sugar wraps up her number and she and Bonehead go dance a while while Bullet and Earl watch and talk about how Earl got caught in a swarm of bees one time. That's, it's so clear. <laughs> That, like, it feels like there was a writer on set that was just, like, if we're continuing the theory that Earl Wilson just showed up, it feels like they hired uh -huh. a comedy writer that was just, like, he's famous. Give him, like, funny things to say. And so yeah. Paul Lynn's like, have you ever danced like that before? And Earl's like, once, when I, when I wanted to do a sort of piece. But it's so flat and it's so lifeless. And, like, Paul Lind laughs at it to, like, try to elevate it. But you, it's so, it's nothing. No. It doesn't mean anything. No. We get very little information about Earl in this movie. I'm trying to think of the way to phrase it. Because we learn that he is a, a journalist. He writes a mm -hmm. column. Uh, and we learn that he was trapped in a swarm of bees. And I can't name a third <laughs> fact about Earl. <laughs> I, I don't know anything else about this man. Because he just kind of shows up and hangs out next to Bullet in scenes that he's in. <laughs> so <laughs> he's not really important to any of the side plots other than being someone a publicist might call to publish mm -hmm. a story. Bonehead and Sugar go for a walk on the beach, which they actually mean running into the ocean where the soft music starts playing again and something bites Sugar's foot when she's in like ankle deep yeah, water. And then she runs out and she looks at the bite and she's like, it's a people bite. <laughs> and Bonehead like, his eyes glaze over and he looks up and he runs away. He's like, I'm late for a date. And he just starts, he leaves recently bitten sugar <laughs> sitting in the sand with with human bite marks on her ankle if anything's a publicity stunt i got bit by a human in the water 
in ankle the water was not deep no. they were not even up to their no, shins there was no way that a human person they would have to be flat fucking stanley in order to slide up to her ankle in that water <laughs> i if i'm not mistaken i think they leave at one point like big drop brings frankie on to sing a song because he's like apologizing yes. he's like i said you couldn't sing you can come up here like yeah we, mm-hmm. we know we can that's, sing. that's the next scene oh it's the next scene oh do they go back yeah to the so pavilion? bonehead runs off and we don't <laughs> they go back to the why so do they, they keep doing this <laughs> they, <laughs> it's a fundamental technique of editing brendan they're showing us two events that are equally important taking place concurrently but, where they have to they're cross-cutting because <laughs> like, i don't want to like i feel like i'm interrupting or like trying to like cut in like and i'm coming off so wrong it just doesn't make like because it's just that the scene's not done <laughs> like it's it, it it's doesn't not. feel complete as a, as a viewing experience it doesn't feel like oh and that wrapped up nicely and we're doing like a side by side like it just like it's a surprise when they go back to a pavilion you do have this yes. sense of like oh there's more and it's frankie singing Every like an 80 one. year old man <laughs> <laughs> he's bad at yes. singing oh in this that was song. one of my notes so frankie starts singing and then i was like this sounds like a completely different person than the voice I've been hearing come out of Frankie the entire rest of the movie. Is it's like an octave deeper, and I'm like something's not something's not checking yeah. out here. <laughs> That's not Frankie. There's no way. I, I think I think Bonnie says he sings like a. I, this is this is what I have in my notes. Quote: He sings like a bird. He does not. He does not. It's not, like the rest of the movie. He, it's it's like maybe charming like a and, like, vulture cute. or a, a a large bird of prey. <laughs> not like a songbird that's for sure it's not like fucking i don't know what's it does robin have good songs i uh, <laughs> I, don't know I don't know a lot about birds <laughs> i know that there are cat birds that sound terrible but i don't think he necessarily sounds like a cat bird because they sort of like screech and his voice is too deep for that it's, <laughs> so i have to assume it's a larger type maybe like an do ostrich sing at all do they make any you know what ostrich noises are probably <laughs> horrifying i don't actually want to know the answer <laughs> to that question i want ostriches to say birds majestic terrifying. in my mind like an ostrich to say majestic or do you stay. like see, see an image of stay yeah. <laughs> i have bad news for you they are horrifying living dinosaurs and they will fuck but isn't you that up a little bit beautiful <laughs> i don't know there's something about them man they're just we're getting we're getting into the weeds on ostriches <laughs> we'll circle back we around to whatever, movie to go. whatever is happening we have so much movie and so little all at the same <laughs> time it's great Frankie sings directly to Dee Dee and they share another one of the glances that tells us more about their relationship than any possible line they ever could say does and so they're like you know what they're totally mm-hmm. good despite Bonnie and Steve's best efforts uh, Steve sees Bonnie staring at Frankie while he's singing and Steve's like Frankie you jump tomorrow when everyone's like no he can't jump that's stupid <laughs> <laughs> very stupid <laughs> one of their she said Dee Dee says that he's stupid and one of their friends is like yeah she's got a point fucking butch what is this friend group <laughs> I wrote butch. it down. Of course it's Butch. I wrote down, Butch just hates everyone. He's just bitter and rude. <laughs> she says like, yeah. she's, she says whatever she says and she leaves. And Butch basically goes, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. And then the scene cuts as if they're about, <laughs> as if Butch was really about to go in on like, Frankie, I, we're fucking done, man. Uh, we then cut back to Bonehead off at the cove yelling for Lorelai off on an odyssey of his own. This is also another <laughs> scene. It cuts like, it doesn't wrap up. It like, no. it's very clear. Like it cuts like halfway through a musical bar. There's no resolution. It just. <laughs> yeah, he just yells Lorelai while like running through the beach. And then it hard cuts back to Big yeah. Drop. Like the next day, fully another time period entirely. <laughs> uh, where Frankie is getting ready to make his first jump. 
Uh, he does, and he floats back to Earth, no problem, is the, the end part. The whole scene is hyped up as though he's going to die on this jump, and then he, he Somebody at one point, I don't know. I, there's, they, they, there's no indication that Frankie does anything weird or wrong. And I think it's Butch mm-hmm. says, like, after Frankie pulls his parachute, uh, Butch goes, I told you he was a chicken. I don't know what <laughs> Butch wanted Frankie to do, but it seems like he was just like, oh, I thought he just, like, jumped like a hero. <laughs> Yeah, I assumed he could like superhero landing it and he'd be, be fine. No. Uh, and then we cut away from the whole, the skydiving scene takes like five minutes, but nothing else happens other than the jump. And then we cut back to Bonehead, who sees a girl approaching. Has he been on the beach all night? Nobody knows. It's it's Lorelai, but now she has legs, not fins. Mm-hmm. What? She's wearing a bikini that she made from a parachute that she explains floated to the bottom of the ocean. Which I guess like implies that like these people have just been unlatching their parachutes and letting them... <laughs> Letting them into the yeah, ocean. Just, just go to sea. I guess they would weigh you down, so if you didn't get like picked up immediately by a boat, but still, it just like, like a parachute would float for a little bit. Right? Yeah, like I... so <laughs> they've just been leaving. So they're picking up their people and then just leaving the litter behind. This is see. This is this is why we need more policies like leave no trace. This is <laughs> so they can't leave your parachutes in the ocean. This is this is what global warming is all about. It's parachutes left in the ocean. This is like that scene in Mad Men where uh, the family goes on a picnic and they just leave everything and like it stay it stay it, the shot stays on all the litter mm-hmm. and it's like times were different, right? But like this isn't making any sort of ecological point. It's just like no. well, yeah, that's where you're Not supposed to put parachutes. Yeah. Uh, so Lorelai and um, Bonehead sit in chat, and Bonehead <laughs> asks the best, best first question ever. Best, he was saying what we were all thinking. He asked Lorelai, how come you speak English? <laughs> and she reveals that she's 300 years old, and that she'll never age, and that she's learned mermaids have learned every language because they're just in ports all over the world all the time, and so they've learned to speak with all sorts of sailors. And I'm like, but that doesn't explain why you specifically speak English and not like... <laughs> Portuguese or something. Wait, they dropped so much mermaid lore at us so quickly. The only explanation <laughs> given is it's not like she didn't like do like a little mermaid wish exchange thing. She would just nope. like I wrote it down. She said mermaids can have legs for a short time on land. That's all we Yep. <laughs> she says that. <laughs> and like she's like so she's so excited. She like you know it's an amazing moment. She there she is with legs now. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And Im- the I, I can't believe the first thing Bonehead does is, does is, well, you have legs now, so let's sit and talk like we could have in the ocean. <laughs> Not like, oh, it, well, he does immediately after invite her to, uh, he invites her to dance that night that, at the pavilion, the one, um, <laughs> the one, that... one of the three locations in the beach town. Uh, <laughs> and in order to get her a dress to wear, he's like, oh, I'm going to go get you some clothes. And he measures her by like, Hugging her a bunch, just in like different. This spots. is charming. And I find he hugs this very her the cute. first time. It's very. I thought this was. I also thought this was very cute. So I'm glad that I wasn't just me being a little weirdo. He hugs her, and she's like, "Oh, you should do that again." And then he's like, "What?" Because he's bonehead, so he doesn't really know what's going on. I think this is ne- this is less cute. But. <laughs> he proceeds to measure various uh, measurements, including hips, waist, etc. And he's very. He's like awkward about it the whole time, and eventually he does give her uh, a hug once more time, and she's like, "Ah, so sweet." Uh, <laughs> please interject <laughs> and then he, he goes Lorelai do you know about the birds and the bees and she says yeah. no and he goes well if I don't leave right now you're about to <laughs> which I also like because it comes up later she like asks again what's it mean mm-hmm. but, but Lorelai's 300 years old how do mermaids 
when do mermaids mate? How do mermaids mate? Because that means they don't. That's that's mermaid lore that the movie decided was not important for this side plot. They were like, we don't need to know anything about how mermaids come into being. We just need to know that Lorelai is 300 years old and she will not age. And that can, she can speak English and she has legs until midnight tonight. That, that's all you need to know about mermaids in order for the plot to progress. It feels like she was hatched from an egg. Like, I feel at this point, you know, we can only assume. Yeah, like one of those like kelp eggs, though. You know, like when fish have egg, like lay eggs underwater and then they're like attached to the kelp yeah. or whatever. I don't know a lot about marine biology. I was I was a dinosaur kid, not a fish mm. kid. But they, there's like the egg sacs attached to kelp and then they like float. This movie might be the one that finally breaks me. There's there's been some rough uh, watches for this podcast so far, notably like Jupiter or something. Oh, but God, this might really? be the one that genuinely breaks me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't we we do not have time to talk about albino space werewolf Channing Tatum because that is a whole other episode that already exists. I, but I, this this one is <laughs> just a different level of <laughs> euphoria watching. It's really funny to me that because when you asked me to be on the podcast, I was like, what's like the rule? I assumed it was like, oh, I assume we must have to bring on a favorite movie or a movie nope. we like. <laughs> it's just any movie whatsoever. Are, did the person like Jupiter Ascending? No, <laughs> she specifically picked it because she was like, this movie is baffling to me that it exists and I need to watch you to watch it to make sure that I'm not totally insane <laughs> and that it is as bad as I remember it was. And it was as bad as she remembered it that's was. A, so it that's out. a good reason. It was. I was like, that's an appropriate use of the uh, rule. Um, in that there's only one rule and you have to pick a movie, mm. so I guess that works. Uh, so we, Dee Dee, Bonehead runs yes. off. We, we go to back to skydiving because that's, I guess, the main plot of the movie. Yeah. It's hard to it's tell. It's the most screen time, Dee, right? <laughs> arguably, I guess if you count all the time that they're free falling, <laughs> it probably has the most screen time. Uh, Dee Dee is getting ready for her big jump. Um, and Frankie's like super nervous about it. He's like, I don't, I understandably does not want his girlfriend jumping out of a plane, although hypocritically did jump out of a plane mm. himself. I, nobody goes skydiving on a first date. Let's just make, or I guess it's not their first date. Don't go skydiving <laughs> on a date in general. I'm just going to say that as someone afraid of heights. Not a great option. You would never skydive? Uh, I would not skydive. Would no. you bungee jump? No. Mm. Anything that involves uh, plummeting over any a large empty space. It's not a, not do you a do roller that. coasters? I do roller coasters, but like you, once the roller coaster's going, you don't really think about it. You know, uh, okay. I feel like I would have to be thinking about falling the whole time I was bungee jumping or skydiving because that's the whole thing, you know. Mm -hmm. It does take. I was talking to my mom about this recently, and she said she would sooner bungee jump, and I was like, I couldn't hang there. Like I feel like no. if I was jumping out of an airplane, I could like be in shock for long enough that like mm -hmm. I just don't think about it. But like I couldn't just like be down there. Also. <laughs> Because, like, that would be fine if I did it because, you know, when you parachute for the first time and, like, you have to have someone attached to you who's actually doing it. Yeah. That doesn't happen in this movie. No, no, no. They're all parachuting solo the first time. So if the same person who's going to email us about, <laughs> about whether or not uh, cars have uh, seatbelts, you got to tell mm -hmm. us when. How many parachute deaths was too many that they were like, maybe they shouldn't go down alone? True. True. Do you think it was just like a, you know what, I don't even want to ponder whether or not it was like a stunt double requirement or not, because that's getting too deep into giving this movie too yeah. much credit for having like thought their production yeah. through. Um, so Frankie goes up in the plane with Dee Dee and oh, yes. Steve to jump this time. Or with, is it, it's Bonnie. Bonnie goes with them. It's so, oh, they, they all are so interchangeable. Dee Dee, Frankie, and Bonnie go up in it's a plane. It's just Bonnie. Dee Dee's driving the plane. It's just yeah, Bonnie. This is important. Bonnie's driving the plane. Dee Dee jumps out. 
and she's fine. She lands, no problem. She does her thing. Well, um, <laughs> while she's going down, <laughs> she like because <laughs> like when they have like shots of like the stunt divers from afar, and mm-hmm. then they have close ups of Frankie and Annette, and they show they show close up of her on a green screen. And they like shine yeah. a green light on her face. Yes, the lighting gets green and ominous, to, and she like makes a weird like grimace. Almost. I guess it was like that she was supposed like that she was almost gonna throw up, and then as fast as it came on, it she, she doesn't throw up, yep. and then she lands fine. <laughs> she pulls her shoot, she lands fine. The uh, Butch and his girl, who's unnamed, that the couple that's been making out in the background of every shot in the movie, talk to each other during this jump about like why Butch doesn't want his girlfriend to mm. jump, and he's like. You have too much to lose if you jump. Me. <laughs> I was like, what kind of, what level of self-confidence do you have to he have? He said that and I wrote, Butch sucks and his girlfriend doesn't have a name. <laughs> like, as an insult. Like, <laughs> like Butch, you're so nothing. Is Butch nothing. the worst character in this movie? Is Butch not a villain, but still somehow the worst character in the movie? <laughs> you know what's... I think but I think that might be what we're landing on here. Butch is one of the... He's one of these people that are like are in all of them, but kind of go back and forth of being important. If I'm not mistaken, this is the only movie where they give him a name, and this is what he fucking does with it. God, he's just man. We were looking for a good guy to be the third dude that has lines, and you really fucking blew it, Butch. Come on, get it together. Bonnie puts the plane into autopilot, yes. which is a thing that the plane can do, and tries to make out with Frankie in the sky. But Frankie's like, no, nah, what are you doing? I have a girlfriend. She just jumped out of this plane that you're supposed to be flying. Also, aren't you supposed to be flying this plane? Which is when she explains the autopilot. This conversation is surprisingly the most clever dialogue in the... Like, they go back and forth about, like, well, why not? Well, this, well, that. Like, it's very well written mm-hmm. for no reason. For a very upsetting scene. Yeah, because Bonnie's like, well, if you're not going to actually, you know, make out with me in the sky, then I'm going to, like, tear my blouse Uh, and make Steve think that we did make out in the sky a little bit when we land. And Frankie's like, what? That's insane. Why would you do that? (laughs) It does, because they land and then Bonnie runs out of the plane and she's like, Steve, he assaulted me in the air. And Frankie's like, no, clearly I didn't. But also- And Steve's like, no, Bonnie, I don't believe you because you've been hitting on Frankie the whole time. But I'm still mad at Frankie for some reason. (laughs) It makes me uncomfortable to say that Bonnie hatched the scheme, but it does make me more uncomfortable that nobody believed Bonnie even a little bit. I'm like, I can't. I can't decide which part of this is worse, if Bonnie's scheme or nobody believing Bonnie. And then Frankie yells at them, and in doing so, fixes their relationship. Yeah, he's like, you idiots, you're just in, Bonnie's only hitting on me because you're not paying enough attention to her, Steve. (laughs) That's why I wasn't sure if they were together yet the whole movie, because it seems like they get together here. Makes a good point. Like, it's been like an unrequited love sort of Mm -hmm. thing, where they're just like, they're they're tight co-workers, and they've always been into each other, but they like, no one wanted to make it weird. But now it's then it's weird every time like a cute customer. I don't know how many customers. I guess they get a lot of customers at the skydiving place because there's always teens who surf around. <laughs> but yeah, um, Lorelai and Bonehead. Meanwhile, <laughs> Lorelai gets dressed and Bonehead carries her to the party and also reveals that uh, he didn't wear shoes until last year because <laughs> she's having trouble with like the heels and he's like, "It's okay, shoes bugging you. I didn't wear them till last year anyway." <laughs> Which I'm like, wait, so what? He hasn't had shoes on this whole movie, so I guess that checks out. <laughs> it's pretty fair. Yeah. It seems like a bone Bonehead's the best. If Butch is the worst character, Bonehead is the best character. I don't like how Bonehead ends the movie. 
I don't like how Bonehead ends the movie, but for most of the middle part, he was the most tolerable yes. of all the teens that we were cutting to. So he had the clearest we'll objectives and. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, he's like a like a proto himbo. Like he's yes. not quite uh, soft enough to be a true himbo. But considering this was 1965, he's kind of like the archetype that inspired the later iterations. You know, <laughs> he was the blueprint. <laughs> he's. You can thank <laughs> Bonehead from Beach Blanket Bingo Watt <laughs> so that Kronk from the Emperor's New Groove <laughs> could run. I can't even say it without breaking down. Uh, we go to the party that night. The band, wearing their same yep. sweaters as always, is there as dancing continues. Um, <laughs> this is where Bonehead and Lorelai have their second conversation about the b- birds and the bees, which Bonehead sort of like talks around and explains is like, oh, people falling in love, but like, mm, <laughs> that's not what that is. Uh, Earl and Bullet, who are always here around these teens, roll up once again, uh, and <laughs> Bonehead and Lorelai start like slow dancing to a slow song and. One, someone's like that's indecent because they're touching it's each other it's like, that's butch 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 spent the whole goddamn movie making out with his girlfriend and every scene every song they have a cutaway shot to butch and his girlfriend who is unnamed Ugh. making out and for some reason bonehead and lorelei very chastely <laughs> slow dancing to a slow song at a dance pavilion i have to assume is what's like uncouth to him no, and it's it, it because Lorelai was like nervous about dancing because she couldn't do all the twitchy stuff that all the, the teeny boppers could. So he's like, I'll, I'll request a slow song. And then no one else yeah. dances to the slow song. Yeah, it takes like a good like three minutes into the two of them slowly dancing before anyone else gets up to dance. Um, and as everyone else begins to join in but with Bonehead and Lorelai, the bikers roll up yes. and Zipper ends up in a fish tank and once again delivers his iconic line. Why me? Why, <laughs> Why is me? it always me? Uh, <laughs> uh Zipper kind of like yells incoherently at Big Drop, who I guess owns the place, and the music begins again. Zipper's guys recognize Earl, who makes which makes another character in this movie who recognizes Earl, the most famous writer of all time. Uh, and the whole biker gang goes over to talk to him. Uh, I wrote down the line, please do not destroy my mood, but I don't know who said it. So I just assume it's one of the publicists <laughs> or Earl. Mood. Oh, you know what? No, it was Zipper. Zipper said it because someone was being rude to him. I just thought it was neat. Um... <laughs> this is at this point in the movie we're in the last page of my notes this is where i fully i was fully incoherent while i watched this last yeah. night this was the point where i think i just accepted that i was on a ride <laughs> and there was no getting off and there was still somehow 45 minutes of this movie left <laughs> i was like you know what all right all right we're just we're in in for a penny in for a pound Lorelai and Bonehead head out because it's almost midnight. Instead of having her turn into a mermaid in the middle of the dance floor, this movie will allow her to return Do to the ocean. Do you think so? They head off to the beach. Lorelai <laughs> could leave the ocean every day as long as she's back in the ocean by midnight. Like it, you know, I they don't the reason. So to skip ahead a little bit, the reason that they don't stay together at the mm-hmm. end is because Lorelai is concerned that with her extended lifespan, as we know, she's been alive for three hundred years, and mermaids seem to live infinitely. I guess, uh, and her never aging, but like. Bonehead going to this very deep theme they touch on of like immortality and is it worth it of seeing your loved ones grow old and die? She's like, I don't want to, I can't be with you because you're going to grow older and like pass away and like I can't stay, I can't bear that level of heartbreak. So she returns to the sea never to see him again. So it's never really like necessarily a problem of her having or not having legs. So I guess it's conceivable that she could just have legs tomorrow. But like, when does tomorrow start for her? Oh, yeah, it's like the gremlins thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I also. Because she loses the legs at midnight. 
<laughs> I'm just making the connection now. It is very much. I don't know if you. <laughs> I don't know if you watch the Amazon original Invincible, but it is. Oh yes. <laughs> it is very much like that meme. Just like think, Bonehead. Think, I'm immortal. I just have to wait another seventeen years. <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah. But this is this is this kind of this scene propels us into the third act. Yes. Yes. Well, before we get to the scene, I do have one line that Frankie said that sure. we need to touch on because, because you know, Lorelai is a mermaid, as we and Bonehead know, but no oh, one else does. Yeah. Uh, and as they're leaving, Frankie describes her as a fish out of water. And I was like, movie, you Fun. haven't earned yeah. that. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> <You're>... off. <laughs> get out of here, beach blanket bingo. Um, but yeah, this is this is where our, uh, this is our... It's, it's impossible to tell the first time you watch it, but this is the third act mm. of the movie that we're now getting into here. Um, so Lorelai and Bonehead make out a bit on the beach while the bikers roll up on Sugar's beach house. Mm-hmm. Um, these two scenes, I guess, happening concurrently. Zipper explains, as he falls off his bike, of course, that they're there to kidnap Sugar. Um, I, I guess Sugar <laughs> wasn't at the party because she keeps hours. Of, it's almost, use, it's almost midnight. <laughs> I think the phrase they use is put the snatch on. He's yes. Gonna put the snatch yeah. on Laurel. <laughs> Sophia, that's a great fucking point that I wanted to say. That like really pissed me off about the movie is like they show up at the pavilion. It all seems to be happening in real time, and like Bonehead mm-hmm. and Lorelai are already there. They meet Frankie and Annette because Bonehead was like, "I want you to meet my friends." Is why they went. They're there maybe right. five minutes, and then Bonehead's like, "We got to go to the." It's almost midnight, which means it was like eleven forty-five <laughs> when everybody showed up at the pavilion. <laughs> Yeah, it's late, which I guess is why Sugar is asleep in her beach house that everyone else also sleeps yeah. in. But she gets her own room, I guess. <laughs> she gets her own room because she's the um, eventual famous singer since, again, she's had so many publicity stunts at this mm-hmm. point that people, at least locally, don't know who she is. I'd be shocked. <laughs> and <laughs> and Zipper, as also throughout the movie, has been referring to her as his, his idol, idol. Re- re- replacing his previous idol, um, Marlon Brandon, which has to be a bastardization of Marlon Brando. I have to assume that's a joke that they're making. <laughs> Unless there's some super famous actor from the 60s named Marlon Brandon that I just don't know about. So Zipper, they all they all struggle to quietly break into Sugar's house, um, making many loud noises. But it's the TV turning off that like eventually wakes Sugar up. <laughs> And she's like super chill. She's no she's, stress whatsoever. She's like, what are you she's doing? She's fine being kidnapped. She likes Eric. Totally fine. He's like, I'm putting the snatch on you. And she's like, oh, okay. And then like completely rolls with it. Oh, we, and they then, leave. They exit. They, uh, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> Put these pieces together. <laughs> Eric asks for help to lift her out of bed because he can't. Uh-huh. He can, as I mentioned earlier, he can turn a cue ball into chalk with his bare hands. <laughs> But he can't lift a 19-year-old girl? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, love makes people <laughs> do strange things. <laughs> Speaking of love doing strange yep. things, uh, Bonehead and Lorelai are on yes. the beach. Bonehead gives Lorelai his iconic coin necklace yes. that we have seen him wear throughout the movie in his one costume. <laughs> uh, and they say they're in love with each other, but Lorelai's like, dude, I gotta go, and runs off into the ocean after stopping, of course, to strip out of her uh, land clothes. Because when she's in the sea, she's naked. This is a detail we learned in her first two establishing <laughs> shots. Bonehead tries to say something to her, but she's like, dude, no, I'm going home in the ocean. And she swims away and he starts burying her dress and Fucking shoes. Fucking insane behavior. <laughs> On the beach, shallowly near some rocks. And it pans up to the top of the rocks where two teens, I think it's, is it Butch? I thought it was Butch, it but it's not. It, it wasn't the girlfriend. It's not Butch. So he might have no. been with another teen. 
<laughs> I'm sure he turned <laughs> to the club and went, uh, beach girl, come on, we gotta go. And he just yes. grabbed whoever was the closest. <laughs> so these two see Bonehead burying clothes also, on the beach and the ominous music plays underneath. I gotta say, it's very <laughs> evident that this scene was shot at like two in the afternoon and they kind of pulled a little filter on it. It's oh, bright. Yeah. It's bright yeah. and blue. It's Yeah, it, it's like the most like stage production <laughs> nighttime lighting. <laughs> Someone threw like a, a, a dark blue gel on their one <laughs> Ari light they had on set and they're like, this is good enough. No one will know. The shadows aren't important. At the pool hall, we return to the yes. pool hall. Again, and another iconic, one of the three iconic locations of the yes, film. Yes, yes, yes. Four, four I guess, because it's pavilion, pool hall, big drop, and this beach. Is, the beach house is only in the first half. This is where it all kicks <laughs> oh, off, Oh, Brendan Sophia. looks excited. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so Zipper is teaching Sugar how to shoot pools. She seems to be having a good time while Slim and the gang are all hanging around. The gang and South Dakota Slim. So I have to go to Slim. Yes, we, we learned that this is where Sugar is. Uh, but before we see anything happen, we actually cut back to the beach. It's house. another fucking goddamn... The, the scene's not over. <laughs> scene, we haven't even done anything in the scene other than establish where Sugar is. Mm-hmm. Um, which we already kind of knew because we knew she was with yeah, Sugar. Right? And they only go to one spot. At the beach house, a Bullet shows up. And he's like, I can't find Sugar anywhere. And he accuses Bonehead of drowning Sugar, which is a bizarre leap to make seeing as Bonehead left the party with a different woman (laughs) the other last night (laughs) and Bonehead's like someone I think I think Butch is like oh yeah I saw you burying clothes on the beach and Bonehead's like yeah I was burying Lorelai's clothes because she's a mermaid and everyone's like okay Bonehead doesn't know what he's talking about so Frankie comes up and he's like to get the heat off Bonehead he's like oh it's all another publicity stunt Frankie (laughs) has if I Sophia I I like to think we're good friends. I like to think we have a bond mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. closer than Frankie and Bonehead. If if I yeah. walked into a party and somebody was pointing their finger at you and went, that girl's missing and they saw you burying clothes, I would... <laughs> Frankie is... He's such a mensch right here. He, he's fully like, oh, well, it, poss- it couldn't have possibly been that. I seen Sugar Kid without a second thought defends his friend from a murder charge which he has no reason to believe that Bonehead didn't do. He's a ride or die. That's why Bonehead and Frankie have been consistent entries throughout the series, I have to assume. It's because they, much in the way that Frankie and Dee Dee have some sort of unshakable bond that no amount of subplot can ever (laughs) deter, Bonehead and Frankie are are bros for life. And so, you know, Frankie immediately rises to the occasion of defending his friend, (laughs) saying, you know, it's all a stunt that um, Sugar will be back after Frankie and Dee Dee make their big free fall tomorrow afternoon, which I guess Frankie and Dee Dee are doing because this is news to me, the audience. Yeah, this is the Um, (laughs) audience. They never bring this up (laughs) before or after. There's no schedule. There's no like nothing special. There's there's not like Sugar is going to do a concert while this happens. Frankie also. It's just a day. Frankie also, the the way he frames his defense as we like it's another publicity stunt like us surfers are going to go save sugarcane again and then Paul mm-hmm. Lynn goes why didn't I think of that I was almost screaming at the TV I was like you have thought about that you've thought about it like two <laughs> times you've already done this this stunt has been done it's just a different iteration of the same stunt you've also wrangled skydiving into the stunt again is this an advertisement for Big Drop yeah. or is this an advertisement for Sugar's album you realize at the end that Big Drop's putting all his money behind Sugar's album yes uh, so the gang tries to talk some sense into Bonehead after Bullet walks off but Bonehead hears the sirens call once more and runs <laughs> off down the beach <laughs> 
Uh, on the beach, Bonehead finds the parachute bikini washed up on the sand with this the is, words Von Zipper carved into like this the is sand. incomprehensible. There's no cutaway shot where like Lorelai sees Eric driving up. She just uh, omnipotently knows. I mean, mermaids. What do we know about mermaids? Yeah. Brandon? we know mermaids live for th- at least three hundred mm-hmm. years, if not longer, and that they seemingly stay young sure. forever, and that they can have legs for mm-hmm. a little bit. I oh. guess. Uh, also, so, though, so they could be on this. We don't know. The the message was not written like by the water. It was written in like the middle of <laughs> like the middle of the beach on dry sand. I can only assume she like crawled out of the water <laughs> and was like gasping <laughs> for air the whole time, like flopping around. Oh yeah. So uh, back at the pool yes. hall, the only other location that matters at this point. Um, Slim and the ladies make a plan to kill Sugar. That is about as much uh, preamble to the plan as there is given because Slim is just like, what if we killed Sugar? He does not present. (laughs) He says, I I can't believe we haven't said said it yet. South Dakota Slim refers to Sugar and seemingly all human beings and and his little house that he has as Booby. And he's yes. got this strong accent that does not sound like he's from South Dakota, but he's just like, mm, I'm going to take you, booby. I'm going to go to my booby house. <laughs> and like, that's all you know. Like, it, it just does seem like he's going to kidnap her, but the, the idea of having a booby house. <laughs> and folks, you can't. Uh, when we get. You to, cannot predict where this you is going. Uh, you. You'll never in a million years understand the 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 nightmare that is the booby house. <laughs> it's um yeah, so yeah, his puss and uh, boots so, are like so, jealous all of a sudden. They don't like yeah, sugarcane. They seem to just be along for the ride with whoever the like strongest male presence near them is at a given Gosh. moment. So <laughs> So Puss, Boots, and Slim uh, make this plan, and then immediately Bonehead busts in to try and grab Sugar and save her. Uh, and then Bonehead punches Zipper, but then Slim knocks him out and actually kidnaps Sugar. So now Sugar is genuinely in danger. Up till now, she's just kind of been hanging out with Zipper. No, she is fully kidnapped at this the point. The booby is and on they, the way they run to away. the booby house. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure people have heard that language. Like, oh, and then the boobies go to the mm-hmm. booby house. Classic, like... Yeah. Screenwriting language. It's it's basically like save yeah. the cat at this point. Exactly, exactly. This is this is the Chekhov's gun of this movie. You know, <laughs> when was the booby house gonna appear? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god. Um, Bonehead does eventually get up and he runs off for help. Dee Dee and Frankie are getting ready for their jump, but Steve is still pissed at Frankie. So forget whatever's happening to Sugar because we're on the we have to deal with the parachute plot line before we can continue on with the Sugar plot this- line. <laughs> Makes no fucking sense. And they like, the way they frame it no. and the intensity with which everything's about to happen, it seems like there's like someone at play or like there's a plan here. It, 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 it's just a series of mistakes <laughs> happen. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, you could also describe that as the plot structure of the whole movie. Yep. So it checks out that that's where we're at at this point in the third act. Uh, so Dee Dee and Frankie go up in a plane with Steve and everyone's like, do you think Steve's going to mess with Frankie somehow? Because he's still pissed at him mm-hmm. because Frankie didn't do anything and solved his relationship problems and they have beef over that, I guess. Uh, but no, Steve doesn't do anything. There's Steve just doesn't sort do of tension for anything. No <laughs> Dee Dee and Frankie just sort of jump, uh, play catch while in free fall. I, I gotta say. 
everyone seems. <laughs> Frankie throws, or like the the stunt actors, Frankie throws the ball to Didi, and like from the like you you hear like the vocals from like the beach. Everyone was like, "Oh, whoa!" Didi whiffs mm-hmm. it. She doesn't catch the ball. Oh yeah, <laughs> not even close. But everyone's like, "Whoa!" They had to have had like a limited number of times they could have the oh. stunt divers dive yeah. and they're just like we can't we can't afford to take you up in the air again to do mm-hmm. this a second time so that's it like they just they just whiff it i guess um if there's a moment of tension where it's like will their shoots open in time before they hit the water because bonnie is watching from the beach and she's like that water from this height is like concrete and it's like oh no and then it, she's but like they open their shoots like... too late when they hit the water <laughs> but they're it's fine like... they're fine <laughs> it's not like they can't open their parachutes it's just that Frankie and Dee Dee didn't open their parachutes at the right time. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, decided like, not to. There's no shots from the ground of them falling. It's all either overhead on the stunt people or like the close up green mm-hmm. screen of the actors. So there's no like frame of reference when you're watching the movie for how close to the ground they are at any given point of time. Yeah. Like, they're either in free fall <laughs> or they've landed and there's no in between. So I as an audience member yeah. was like, I only have Bonnie's word to go on here. It's surely mm-hmm. they're in mortal peril, but no, 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 they're totally fine. The surfers run at, swim out to help them. Um, as Steve? the surfers are going to help them, <laughs> Steve <laughs> turns his plane around and he flies it into the water. Now you may be asking yourself, oh, it's like a like a seaplane. It's got those runners. No, no, no. It's no. a regular airplane that is presumably now sinking to the bottom of the ocean as Steve flies his plane into the water, jumps out, and swims over to Dee Dee uh, <laughs> to help her, I guess. Uh, I meanwhile, guess, but Lorelai... <laughs> nobody goes to save Frankie. Like, the whole no beach one. is like, we gotta go save Dee Dee. <laughs> We gotta go save Dee Dee, even though we were all super concerned about Frankie before he got on the plane. Now that yeah. he has jumped out, he's surely okay. Lorelai yeah. swims over and helps Frankie, giving him back Bonehead's necklace, the coin necklace, as she does so. Uh, and Lorelai so- doesn't help Frankie. I know they say that she no. helps Frankie. She does not lead him to the ocean. She does not move him closer to the shore. She just swims up, goes, take the necklace back, and leaves. Yeah, she. Is, I thought maybe at first she was going to steal his parachute to make more high fashion, but he's still wearing his parachute <laughs> when he gets out of the ocean later on, so I guess that's not what happened. Because Frankie um, doesn't litter. <laughs> Frankie, Frankie respects Mother Earth. Um, <laughs> so, so everyone gets out of the water okay. Uh, Steve uh, gets out, and then him and Bonnie make out a little bit, and everyone's like totally fine. Uh, someone, I think it's... Frankie says skydiving's groovy, but let's stick to surfing. Sophia, do you know who fucking is? The movie at all. <laughs> oh shit! Is it Butch? Goddamn Butch! Is it Butch? Goddamn it, Butch! And like, the like the way that everything was described as happening, I guess like I guess like Bonnie was wrong, and like they got they were safe in time. From what I can like, I like I assume personally my head canon is that Frankie and Dee Dee have internal bleeding or like, like their kidneys burst or Something's something. Something's gotta be wrong, right? They, they're smiling on the outside, but surely something is wrong on the inside. And uh, then, but they, they seem okay. Steve and Bonnie kiss. <laughs> and Frankie, apropos of nothing that any human has ever said, he goes <laughs> to Dee Dee, he goes, uh, you know, a kiss is worth a thousand words. <laughs> and Dee Dee goes, then stop talking. <laughs> And then they kiss, and then everyone else is like, all right. <laughs> like, it's not like a big cheer or like a, ooh, it's like a, ooh, nice. They're making out. Yeah, like, oh, okay. And we're so close to being done this movie. 
<laughs> yes, are we have we... so much to talk about in this last one. <laughs> I could talk in about what South Dakota Slim does in... <laughs> for days. I could write a thesis about this. <laughs> if I was still in film school, I think I would end up writing a thesis about this movie. Are you kidding? Um, so, <laughs> so they... The surfers run off to the pool hall to save Sugar, remembering that thing that they had to do because Bullet shows up and he's like, where's Sugar? You said she would be here. And she's clearly not because none of them did anything to find her. No, Um, not even a little bit. (laughs) Not even a little bit. Uh, And when they roll up to the pool hall, they bust in and they immediately start beating up all the bikers. And they stop. Like, none of them have any restraints at this point. (laughs) There's this this shot... It's, it's it's so it's like a pool hall and there's a bar in the back and there's like a door next to the bar. There are these two twins. <laughs> there are these blonde surfers. They're twins. They're like exactly the same amount of tones, which I can only assume means mm-hmm, they like mm-hmm. audition to movies together. Like you know. Yeah. And they're wearing, they're wearing short like bathing suits, like short shorts. One is red. One is blue. <laughs> they're both equally tanned boys. <laughs> And they're wearing, like, high white socks and white sneakers. And I think, like, one of them, like, pushes a biker over the other twin's back and he goes through the door. And they, like, give each other a little look as if they were fucking characters the whole time. Like, they just introduced the Wonder (laughs) Twins solely to kick ass. (laughs) They're like, people will get very invested in the combat abilities of the surfers, so we must give them brawlers. We'll make it these twins. Um, the fighting stops oh, I, when Zipper yells, what are we fighting about? <laughs> and <laughs> in order to move the plot along so that everyone solves it at the same time, they introduce the concept of the sawmill that Slim always goes to, which is where one of the bikers is like, oh, Slim must be at his sawmill that I guess he owns, which isn't good. So <laughs> like everyone immediately knows what that means. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're all like, oh, no, not the sawmill. The Slim sawmill. The at the booby house, folks. <laughs> There's no turning back. We've reached the point of no return. <laughs> he, I like... And then, in case... In, ca- in case you... This is going to be so hard to get through. It's so- in case you've forgotten that, I, that Buster Keaton himself this. is in this movie. In order to get from pool hall to sawmill, we go through a Buster Keaton silent movie-esque cartoonish car chase (laughs) with full silent movie sound effects of the bikers and the surfers and I guess Slim too at points, although it's a little bit unclear because they're all just sort of running and or driving various things over various landscapes. They're not like (laughs) racing each other. Like it's not like a fight. No. They just keep like driving around a tree together or like bumping their cars yeah. into each at, at one point buster keaton's <laughs> car he's in a car alone it's about to go off a cliff he grabs a tree <laughs> branch and then there's a mm-hmm. long slow motion i assume very expensive shot of a nice modern <laughs> car going off a cliff and crashing onto the beach <laughs> it's it's a lovely convertible fully destroyed and as we're watching this zipper is holding onto a tree branch that i guess was a helicopter because it's attached to a string hanging off a helicopter and he goes for a ride for a couple minutes before he like he's dangling and then he looks down he's as high as high as any of them were when they were free falling and he he just like doesn't seem to realize what's up until he looks down he's like 
Ah, why me? Why always me? And then he drops. He he decides to drop. He fully is like, it's my time. (laughs) He lets go and he plummets into the ocean, which Bonnie helpfully informed us not 10 minutes earlier in the movie (laughs) is like concrete concrete from that height. But he's totally fine. He gets fished back out of the water by a a conveniently placed net. Uh, (laughs) So he, he, he winds up on his dock and like his motorcycle friends come to like get him in the car again. Uh huh. And then there's the, so he gets out of the water and his like pants are full of water. And there's mm-hmm. this, there's this shot of these two random teenagers who we have never seen before. And they look at Eric nope. and they're like judging him. And, <laughs> and then he walks into like one of those like little cabanas where you're supposed to change swim shoots. It like from the sixties, uh-huh. it's got barn doors and he, he goes in and like, Still, they keep cutting back to these random girls who are just like, oh, what is this guy? And he... They're beach girls. They're very important to the plot. He unzips his pants and a, 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 a typhoon of water <laughs> uh, comes, out of, comes out of this little cabana and they go, ugh, and then they walk away. Yes, we have that like moment of comedy of... Uh, like a Shakespearean level of wit displayed in the scene. And then uh, we immediately resume the car chase at, at full steam. The sound effects are back and the chaos has returned now that we have had our little side story with uh, Zipper here. Uh, the chase resumes and we go to the sawmill. This is, uh, <laughs> this is I, I would say, honestly, <laughs> un, uh, like unintentionally incredible screenwriting. Because <laughs> so we, we find that South Dakota Slim He's uh, examining a large saw blade and he's like testing out mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. of the individual points. I don't know. And he cuts his finger on one. He licks it yes. and he goes, tasty. <laughs> so we know that he has tasted human blood before. He is fully insane. This man may or may not be a vampire. Honestly, I was so ready for this movie to reveal that South Dakota Slim was always in the pool hall where it's shady because he's been a vampire the entire time. They've already introduced so much mermaid lore. Why couldn't South Dakota Slim be a vampire? He's like... There's no way around it. He's a serial kid. He's like John Wayne Casey. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. He ties sugar to a log heading for a saw blade. Head first! A classic... Head first. So he's ethical. A classic issue. He's, he's like aiming to kill as this is happening after the, the saw is activated and sugar is well on her way to being shish kebobbed puss and boots then are like you know what this is actually kind of mean <laughs> to start criticizing slim which makes him decide to anesthesize poor sugar which to him is hitting her on the head with a hammer because he wants to prove he's not as cruel as he, he could goes be. to a cabinet mm-hmm. huge medical cabinet like the size like like a fire extinguisher should be in there still in the saw it mill. says sleeping pills <laughs> <laughs> he opens it he gets out the hand i gotta I, I honestly gotta give him credit south dakota slim is getting the best performance of the movie <laughs> and he's like he's like whacking the hammer against his hand like it's nothing he's like this always works this always knocks him out and he, he turns around to go knock her out and then it's established no one else has arrived yet. So it's not like being a cheeky, nope. oh, this is actually someone else. And they like got in the pool. Oh, they got in the, the booby house. A, a disembodied <laughs> hand, all in black, comes out of the cabinet, also holding a hammer and bonks out the slim on the head with a hammer. <laughs> it's... I can't necessarily recommend that everyone who's listening to this podcast go and watch the entirety of this movie, but if you were to watch the last 20 minutes or so, it would be a worthwhile <laughs> endeavor. 
Uh, so so Puss in Boots take this opportunity now that Slim is knocked mm-hmm. out uh, to untie Sugar, but that doesn't last for long because P- Slim wakes up and picks up Sugar once again, recapturing her almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he's doing this, the bikers and uh, surfers, or most of the bikers It's the bikers and, I guess and they, just they Buster out- Keaton and Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. Buster Keaton is still in this movie. Yeah. So so the, the bikers and Buster Keaton arrive and start uh, fighting. And as they are <laughs> that, uh, engaged in combat, uh, Slim takes Sugar and starts running up the stairs, declaring himself the King Bubby. <laughs> I'm the King Bubby around here. Which, like, because up until now, you're like, oh, I guess he calls girls bubbies. And like, no, no, no. He It's just anybody. It's a gender neutral term to Slim. Also, he's like. He's like kind of like he's at the top of the stairs. He's fighting a lot, a bunch of the bikers. He's like pushing them down. He's like throwing Eric against the wall. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem choreographed. It does seem like adults fighting each other. No, it's like one of those um. There's that Japanese games show where you have to climb up the slippery stairs. It looks yeah. like that. Like they're all just sort of falling down, <laughs> like really soapy stairs, and Slim's just at the top, like periodically pushing one. <laughs> Uh, so Slim runs into his top room of his uh, l- sawmill <laughs> and um, house, he closes please. the door. All the bikers are at the bottom of the stairs. And he begins to pull up these planks that look like um, interactable objects in video games yeah, to reveal very... a hole in the floor. It's like in Scooby-Doo when they're, <laughs> they're about to find a clue or like placed. the book yes. that like unlocks the cabinet is like, oh, I know which one. <laughs> yeah, it's the only one that's animated. And he opens up a hole in the floor and he opens the door and all the bikers run into the room and proceed to one by one fall through the hole in the floor back to the ground level. Uh, <laughs> Zipper in particular hits the ground, pops back up and then ends up laying over the log that is now once again heading for the saw blade. And he delivers his line. Why me? Why is it always me? <laughs> and then we cut away from him. Not, not... Not ending that plot point. Do, has Zipper lived or died? Nobody knows. Least of all us, the audience. Um. <laughs> oh my god. Slim has Sugar cornered up in the top room, but Frankie, who we can see hiding through the window before he busts through it, he's like crouched behind it, waits two seconds into the shot, and then jumps through and breaks the glass window and punches Slim so that he's down. But then Bonehead jumps in after him and asks Sugar if she's okay and gets the credit for saving Sugar, which is when Frankie takes the opportunity to look directly into the camera <laughs> and say, I do all the work, but he gets all the credit. Well, that's life. <laughs> and then he proceeds, not knowing it's there, he walks through the hole in the floor, and then <laughs> the music for real 100% goes, <laughs> We could not... I don't think you could make this movie up. <laughs> and folks, I know what you're thinking. Someone did. <laughs> you might be saying to yourself, oh, like Frankie, like he, he jumped through the window, but that, of course that means he parachuted through the window. Like he used the skills <laughs> that he learned earlier. No, no, no. To solve the problem. He's got no uh, shoes. He was just on the roof. <laughs> you can see it's, when I say you can see him crouching behind the window, I mean it in the shot, you can see Frankie yeah. crouched behind the window, not moving moments before he jumps through, so you know yeah. how the stunt was performed. Um, Zipper, we find out as Frankie jumps through the hole, is cut oh, in half by the saw blade, but is also alive and totally okay. <laughs> his he... legs run off, and he's just like, his top half is just like being held up by his buddies. <laughs> and he like, 
he like turns to the camera and he he makes the, he just makes this whimper sound like it's like you can't help but like like you can't hate Eric even though and I can't believe mm-hmm. I didn't mention it uh, uh, one of the million times we were at the bike uh, I mean at the pool hall uh, <laughs> Eric has framed photos of Hitler and Mussolini <laughs> hanging up <laughs> in the pool hall like that's the, you the have first to know that establishing it's a bad shot of the pool hall you got to know that these people are anti-American <laughs> and so he is a fascist like that's like, but yeah you can't that's like help, established like, he, in the lore i guess he's just a little half a body guy whimpering and you can't help but feel terrible for this sad little 50 year old man <laughs> yeah and that's also the shot that we leave this action set piece on because then we cut to bonehead staring at the sea on the beach like where Frankie comes up to give him his necklace back and like the music plays a little bit but then Mm -hmm. Bonehead goes over to Sugar and gives her the coin necklace and Sugar calls him Boney which is a baffling it's incredible the 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 180 turn Bonehead makes of just like well I'll just like I guess the other girl right she she liked me too that's that's the the beauty of the simplicity of Bonehead is he's a man who can really roll with the punches you know there's not a lot going on oh yeah in Bonehead's head but he knows how to, to cut his losses and just move on with living his best life. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess for him, that is playing out the sugar bee plot of him being the second male character in this movie that may or may not be into sugar, depending on if she's in the scene with him or not. Dee <laughs> <laughs> um, Dee asks if there was really a mermaid and Frankie does answer, but the movie is over, so it kind of doesn't matter. And the movie ends with a shot of the tail of Lorelai swimming away and the title pops up and they have fully capitalized F-I-N-E-E so that you know that they are making a pun when they write. Sophia, I have to, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it, it left such an impression on me. Frankie's response and the last line of the movie to was there really a mermaid is he grabs Dee Dee by the face and he goes, is there a moon? Is there a sky? Are there dreams? <laughs> and then we cut to the end. Uh, also, it's important to note that in the credits of the movie, they do list a bathing suit provider specifically as one of the important people to thank. Um, there's a separate costuming credit, but there is also their bathing suit provider listed. I have... In case you didn't get enough of it, also during the credits, it's mostly Bobby, uh, but there are some, mm-hmm. there are more unnamed girls who we've never seen before in bikinis. Yes, doing their terrible sixties dancing, while Buster Keaton like chases after them. Yes, uh. does Buster Keaton things? <sighs> oh man, there's God. This movie. You know, I really struggled with whether or not at the end of this podcast I was going <laughs> to recommend that people watch this movie or not. And I think after having laughed about it with you for almost two hours straight, I kind of have to tell people that they should go watch Beach Bingo <laughs> if you can find it. So there are, to peel back the curtain a little bit, Brendan, you, you told me what movie you wanted to watch almost immediately after I asked you to come on this podcast. You're like, oh, I have no reservations to Beach like Bingo, which is a great choice. And then you also sent me a link to a website called Pluto.tv oh, yeah. and explained that there was no search function, but the movie was on there. You gotta just like look around. And when I, yeah, so the first time I opened it was immediately after you sent it to me and I was like, yeah, he's right. There's no search function. And then I opened it again a few days later and then there was a search function, but it also looked like a completely different website. And then when I went on earlier today, it looked back to the original way that it was. And so I'm not 100% sure. 
It feels I like... Don't, I can't personally say anything about the validity, validity of Pluto.tv, but you can also rent this movie on Amazon for three bucks if you're so desperate to see it. <laughs> Sophia, do you want to know maybe the most insulting part of all of this? Is yes, that absolutely. Last night, I, on a whim, <laughs> only, only because I enjoy watching it and I wanted to see it again, I was like, <laughs> let me turn on one of my favorite movies. <laughs> The Grand Budapest <laughs> Hotel. And oh. Sophia, I sat there in awe and I fell in love with the movie all over again as only a classic movie could do. <laughs> and then I woke up today <laughs> and I got on this call and I went, we're fucking talking about Beach Blanket Bingo. <laughs> that is, I think, the most accurate description of the spirit of this <laughs> podcast that any guest has ever said. <laughs> I thank you for putting it into words. We're we're definitely this is one of the longer episodes, so I'm gonna start. We're gonna bring it home. We're gonna bring okay. it home. Rain it in, everyone. We've we've watched. We've we've discussed in detail <laughs> the tip of the iceberg that is Beach Blanket Bingo. Brendan, uh, I think I know your answer here, but is this a movie you would recommend that people go out and watch? What are your What are some of your closing thoughts here? What kind of people listen to this good podcast? Old, like good people? BBB. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a mix. We got a uh, based on people who have emailed me or tweeted at me. It's fans of National Treasure and Speed Racer, and also people who liked the episode with my dad. So you've got a, a wide range. Ooh. There. <laughs> um, I would say if you're a good person and your time is valuable, uh, and you like yourself, <laughs> I wouldn't watch this movie. But <laughs> if you find yourself questioning whether you are any of those three things, I think it's time to get some popcorn. Put on some, put on some uh, knee-length tight cargo shorts and a bucket hat and fire up Pluto TV to start your search for the 1965 hit of the summer, Beach Blanket Bingo. And make sure to join the Goodness gang sake. next time, as the final credit said, in what is also a real movie in the series, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini. <laughs> oh, I feel like... And I, I shouldn't do this because I have so many better movies that I have to watch. <laughs> I should go watch the rest of these. I would recommend watching this movie with a friend because I watched it alone and I think I fully desiccated the entire time. I was like, wow, this... I, I So I watched it yesterday night, mm -hmm. the night before we recorded, because that's what I well, usually I was do watching podcast so that they're fresh in the mind. Well, I was watching While you were watching cinema. Grand Budapest, I was being subjected to <laughs> Beach, <laughs> Beach Blanket Bingo. Um... And I watched it in the evening and I was sitting alone in my apartment watching this movie after having had a long day at work and just being like, I'm ready to relax and enjoy some, uh, some of the finest that cinema has to offer. And instead, I tried to make set, write notes that made enough sense to get through the plot of this movie. <laughs> but the whole time I was sitting there, I was trying to resist the urge to text you about it because I was like, I have to save all of my thoughts for the podcast tomorrow. So I would recommend watching this with another friend who appreciates a good bad movie because you will have a, a, a wonderful time losing your minds together. And for our uh, over 21 year old or international listeners, mayhaps make a drinking game out of it. <laughs> Every time Frankie looks into the camera, you know, take a drink. Every time we hard cut to uh, Bonehead on the Beach, take a drink. If the, the mermaid theme plays, you know, you can you can play with it. You can figure it out. I need to, it doesn't um, have to be all drinking. Like if Butch opens his mouth, no. uh, fast forward 10 seconds. <laughs> Just press mute for a minute and then you'll be fine. Uh, no, but Brendan, thank you so much for joining thank me. You for uh, I'm me. thanking you despite the fact that we did watch Beach Blanket Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> if people wanted more of this kind of uh, this caliber of content, where can they uh, where can they find? Sure. Um, so I'm at Connors Brendan C O N N O R S B R E N D A N on Twitter. 
Um, and mm-hmm. also, uh, I, I haven't. Uh, I'm still working on uh, the follow up. Uh, but if you're a fan of uh, classic movies and audio <laughs> dramas, and you thought I was even a little bit funny, which fingers crossed you did, um, I put together. Uh, uh, I, guess, I guess you would call it. Um, it's a it's a radio drama adaptation of Frank Capra's classic "It's a Wonderful Life." Uh, but instead of just oh, doing yeah. that all normal like, I threw a joke in every other line. Uh, so if you want to go on YouTube.com <laughs> and search The Village Green Players Present It's a Wonderful Life, you'll be able to find it. Um, I think it's charming and good, and I think yeah. it's a good listen any time of the year. Uh, and if you enjoy it, stay tuned, because <laughs> uh, uh, I'm working on uh, The Great Gatsby next. So. Ooh. Fun stuff. I'll link the uh, the Village Green Players. Um, it's a wonderful light into the show notes below for anyone who wants to check that out. I, I listened to it over the Christmas time last year. And it was a delightful. Uh, <laughs> I listened to it out loud at the kitchen table in my childhood home. And both of my brothers said, Sophia, what are you listening to? And I said, oh, it's my friend's um, radio play of It's a Wonderful Life. And then they both said, why? And I think that that's a ringing endorsement from two teenage boys. So if you want to have the same experience, <laughs> check out the links in the show notes below. Um, but Brendan, again, thank you so much for coming on the Thanks show. So uh, I hope everyone out there is able to find the partner of their choice in a beach bl- tank blanket made for two and go enjoy their summer. Uh, and we'll be back next episode with a different movie. <laughs> Who knows if we'll laugh as much as we did this time. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on August 16th to discuss Blade Runner 2049, but if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or seatbelt-related facts, feel free to email the show at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform, and for more from our guest Brendan, be sure to check out the links to the Village Green players and his socials in the show notes below.